obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. It's Monday night, CP3, live from the lab with Robbie G. We already got Anna K sitting in the Zoom waiting room to talk some capitals in this unfortunate overtime loss, three to two. The Tampa Bay. We're going to talk some Washington Wizards, recap their game. I believe they lost. I think I saw the score. We'll let Robbie and break that down. And then we'll talk about the shortened baseball season at the end of this game, uh, end this show up. Robbie G, how are you doing tonight, good sir? I'm doing okay. I, I definitely wish uh, we would have won either of these games that were today, this afternoon. But, you know, for the most part, uh, not too, too bad. Um, you know, I was definitely. Uh, you know, rocking. I thought uh, this guy right here, uh, Mr. Uh, T.J. Oshi, uh, was uh, a big part of uh, the Capitals' uh, success today. And I think uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But I was happy to see uh, the effort level um, go up once uh, he had that fight there. So we'll break that down. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the um, Hurricanes game, which I know is just a scrimmage, but I do want to bring it up because the Hurricanes are looking pretty good. Uh, we're going to have uh, other uh, people joining us for the hockey roundtable. Brian Brennan, we're going to have a uh, full maybe hockey hour to start the show. We're also going to talk some basketball. Uh, we're going to have the NBA roundtable join us at the sort of end of the hour, top of the next hour. And then we'll end it with some baseball talk as well. We just have one series to cover this week because uh, as we predicted last week on Sports in the Hill podcast, that Miami series did not happen. Uh, and uh, it's really interesting to see the standings. We'll probably talk about that for a minute as well, uh, just because uh, it's kind of strange. They, um, the standings are so weird because some teams have played many more games than other teams have played so far. So some teams played their way into you know, d- doing really well, and some teams uh, played themselves out of it. So we got to speak about the possibility of the season being shut down. Uh, the commissioner came out. We were speaking about how they didn't properly, uh, you know, anticipate some of these issues they're having, and as an actual threat of the season possibly being shut down with the cases been popping up. We're getting a little bit of it. We we talk a little bit about that in the baseball uh, segment of the show because we did speak on the last week. Not that we're psychic or anything, but but 
we know a little bit about some sports, you know. For sure, for sure. I'm, I'm just giving some TJ Oshie some prominence here. Uh, yeah, no, let's um, let's talk hockey, uh, and we'll uh, when uh, we'll bring in Anna here, and then we can uh, maybe uh, uh, share to a couple of Caps groups real quickly, and um, I'll share my feed to them, and we can if anyone has any questions, they can jump in on the producer feed. Uh, so, uh, Anna, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I was really hoping to uh, to chat with you guys tonight about a win, but you know, we, there were some some things that stood out to me that I think we're gonna have to look at um, in upcoming games and and uh, things players that I think um, could use a little improvement. Yeah, first game back, me and Robbie were speaking offline about it during the game. You know, not having Carlson out there, especially on a power play, that played the key role in it. They're a little out of sync, you can tell. Yeah. Some of the passes, you know, they were trying to do things that they were known to be doing in the middle of the season when they were in sync right now, and they're not in sync right now. So it was a it was a close game. It was a sloppy game, but I, I really would I, I really wouldn't be too critical of the first game being like Robbie said, at least they got a point. And you know, another game back in, next game and play, get the two points, and then you're right back in it. Yeah. I, I think what I saw, uh, same thing, Carol, was um, that first period was, it was, <laughs> it was sloppy. <laughs> it was uh, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of adrenaline going on and a lot of, uh, hey, we haven't played in a while, let's go out and, and do, and then, you know, you make these, uh, you make these stupid mistakes, uh, passing or whatever it is. Um, I will say I was impressed with the amount of, um, minimal time in the sin bin. I think that that spoke volumes because I think in the Carolina game and the games that kind of, we'll say didn't count as much, um, there were so many penalty calls and so many minutes. It was, it was a bit ridiculous, but I think that they wanted to come out strong. Sometimes I think they, they almost over, um, overdid it a little bit and got a little too excited with certain plays. So that unfortunately was something that didn't work in their favor, but I think after after things sort of calmed down, I think that we finally saw who the Caps are, uh, you know, in the playoffs come that second and third period, which I've, I, I knew it was gonna be a 3-2 game. I really hope it would have been 3-2 <laughs> Caps, but, but that's okay. I mean, Tampa Bay is out there. I think everybody in this playoff series right now is going to give that 110%. So we can't expect to go in and say this should be a sure win. Yeah, for sure. Let's go back a little bit. I, I do want to talk about the uh, Carolina game just a, a bit. Do you happen to have the scoring in that one? Written I down? do. Okay, why don't, we, why don't we start there? Just to give people a little bit of a flavor. I know that game didn't count for much, but Carolina turns out to be a pretty good team, at least you know, in the yeah. games I've seen since. So yeah. maybe, it, maybe it could have meant more than I originally thought. So why don't we break that down a little bit? Absolutely. So I think that I, I agree with you. I think it was a team that uh, we have this rivalry with, and I think sometimes we forget how big the rivalry truly is because that team has a ton of talent and uh, they're going to give everything they can. So we have, going into that first period, um, we have our captain scoring. At, um, let me put my glasses on. <laughs> How about that? At, uh, at 827, 
with uh, assist by Oshi and Orloff, and that was on a power play goal. Um, Carolina did come back and score, but to close out the first period, Kuzi scored, and I, I truly felt like, as not just a Capitals fan, but you know, as a hockey fan in general, this is what Kuzi needed. Uh, we needed to see him come out strong in the playoffs. Uh, do what he does best and show everybody that, you know, that he's back, put all the, the drama and everything from what happened in the off season uh, behind him and really just kind of see what he can do. And I thought he was fantastic in that, um, in that first period. I don't know if you, did you both of you see it or? Uh, I honestly didn't get a chance to catch it. I got to peek, you know, see some parts of it in the highlights, but that's, I mean, Koozie, well, since you uh, spoke on Koozie, I, I didn't feel like yeah, he would have a hangover from, you know, the stuff in the early season. He, he with him, this team goes, and he knows that from that playoff run and the impressive, you know, numbers that he put up and the impressive way that he played. So yeah. uh, it's good to see him scoring, but what I saw today, even though they weren't as crisp, he was still on his game. He was back checking. He was making plays, trying to make stuff happen. Some of the fancy passes, you know, like we talked about, didn't connect. But I feel like, you know, this was like a warm-up game. Unfortunately, they we did, they didn't come out on the right side of it. You know, we were going to the shootout. Would have much rather it had been three-on-three, three, like Robbie talked about, for like a whole 10 minutes. And, you know, the winner, you know, go from there. And then if, you know, get a winner, then you go to the shootout, give them a little bit more time, especially with this uh, new formula for the playoffs and everything. But, yeah, Kuzi definitely looked, looked good out there today. But uh, I didn't catch the Carolina. Sorry to go off on that tangent. Robbie, what about you? Right. No, it's uh, – I was really happy with the compete level uh, in that Carolina game. That was the big thing that was a takeaway for me because I was wondering, you know, what sort of level will we get from that, especially because we have that sort of scrimmage and then this round robin, which means something for seeding, but maybe not as much as, you know, some of these elimination, you know, tournament-style games. Uh, so I, I was happy to see the compete level. The, the first half of this game, I didn't see that. I was starting to get a little bit bummed. I was like, oh, why, you know – I can't believe they competed harder against Carolina. Yeah. Um, and we'll get more into this game in a second, but uh, I, I was really happy with the people. I was disappointed that obviously John Carlson got hurt because that's the one thing that you can't have happen in a scrimmage. I, I understand it's sports. You can't control everything. Uh, but it was just, uh, it was just disappointing to get, you know, get hurt in that situation where um, I'm happy they kept him out of this game, even if it meant that we lost one of the two points uh, just because you want him to be a hundred percent. And as I said earlier, it doesn't really matter overall. It, you know, it matters, but it doesn't matter quite as much as uh, as it does to some of these other games. But um, well, that's good. I think we've covered it enough. The scrimmage. I don't. We don't spend a lot of time on it, but I just wanted to just bring it in a little bit because I do think it was an important just sort of barometer to where our team was um, overall. Uh, Anna, why don't you break down the goal scoring in today's matchup, and then we can uh, get into that a little bit further. Sure. Uh, I think we all had high hopes for this and, and I don't, but I will say, I don't think anyone was surprised that um, Kuch, uh, Kucherov scored first or scored at all. I mean, he, we just have, you know, a fantastic competitor and somebody that the Capitals really need to be on at for 60 minutes that so you can't give that guy uh, any leeway. So anyways, he does score at 12, um, 53 in the first, and that was the only goal 
Um, and into the second period, uh, McDonough score, or no, excuse me, Stephen scores for Tampa Bay, um, assisted by McDonough and Maroon. Uh, so I think fans were probably starting to feel like, okay, the, this is where the Capitals really have to start to prove themselves. They were, were either going to lose this game terribly in a shutout, or they are going to bounce back and become that second half team, which I know that we have seen before. And I think, thank God we did see that. Unfortunately, you know, we had to go into overtime. Uh, Richard Ponick, there's that one player that I think everyone's on the fence with, like, I don't, I don't, I don't love him. I don't hate him. I don't know what to think of Richard Ponick, but uh, he was the right place at the right time. Um, had a fantastic goal uh, with assist by Gudis and Eller. And then here we go with Kuzi again. Uh, I think we're just, I think he's just really going to shine during the playoffs. And that's exactly what the Capitals need. And I also feel like um, the opponents are going to be looking for the Ovechkins, the Wilsons, you know, the Backstroms uh, to score. And we're going to have to really rely on other players to step up and and that's that's going to speak volumes on their position you know positioning on the ice and who they're with and how much you know they're just paying attention to where the puck is so that was good and then so we shut out you know third <laughs> third period there was no goals and we go into um the three on three there was nothing and the shootout um oh she did have his moment which we all knew was going to happen but unfortunately Tampa Bay was able to score twice on Holtby and that was that yeah I uh my, my real quick thoughts was I just I felt like the compete levels I started to say before just wasn't there until TJ Oshie uh, had that fight I and mean, then you don't want one of your best players to have a fight you know he's uh he's worth so much more you know I was joking with my mom uh, with um with Liz uh with uh, the idea that um, we don't want to trade, uh, you know, one of your best players for one of their middle range players, right? So right. The, the Tampa Bay won that battle in the sense of who's going off for five minutes. But in that five minutes, what happens next? Does that incite sort of the the fire within the Capitals to be like, oh, he really went to town and he's not even a fighter for us, but he's really putting his heart on the line. I want to play that next level, right? Get up to that level or not, right? So, I mean, it can work and it can backfire. Uh, I really like the next bunch of shifts though. You know, they got the, the sort of a goal. Uh, then that fourth line gets really gritty into it and they were able to draw that penalty uh, and then they were able to score on that power play with Kuzi going hard to the net, which is not really Kuzi's bread and butter. He's you know, more of a finesse player. Uh, but I like, you know, anybody can get into the paint and just score. I, I, you know, it's, it reminds me of Knubel, right? You know, it just, you know, you got to get into the paint and you just kind of grind out some goals sometimes. And so I was really happy to see that. I was disappointed that they, uh, I mean, I thought the play was still pretty good in the third, but uh, they didn't really carry over um in a way that i was hoping i thought they would drive with that momentum and you know maybe take it a, another step i thought both teams played pretty well both teams were playing a little bit hesitant because they don't want to get hurt i think you know it's uh it's sort of that fine line where you want to have the intensity and you want to be there but you also these games they matter for seeding but we've talked about it many times seeding isn't everything in the nhl playoffs especially without fans you know in exactly. the stands so um you want to play to a level but you don't want to 
But I was talking in the uh, the Sinbin, uh, the Caps fan group, uh, about how the compete uh, level, I just wanted them to shake off that rust and be able to play some really competitive good hockey games because you're going to be playing some teams that just came out of a grueling, potentially five-game series, and you want to be at that level. And so right. I think that that was really important, and I was really happy to see um, uh, in uh, uh, that sort of the latter half of the game. I've got to kind of disagree with that. I feel I don't feel like their compete level wasn't there. Tampa Bay is a quality squad. We saw I saw you know Hagman out there. He almost he had a breakaway in the first period, splitting the defense. You know, making a straight B line. He didn't score, but it was a it was a quality chance. And you know you got to give Tampa Bay some credit. They have a loaded squad, and the fact that this team held them to three goals scored when they shut out the team what five nothing the other game that they played. Even I think it was Florida, but still you know, for to go to the shootout and having to go to uh, extra rounds of the shootout to get a three to two victory. To me, that shows the compete was there to go up against one of the top offensive squads in the game. Even though they were missing Stamkos, we were missing Carlson. But I felt like the compete level, I just think they were out of sync as a team and not having Carlson out there, you know, it was a mental and a, a physical thing out there. You know, the play was off a little bit. They weren't, the passes weren't as crisp and they were making blind passes that normally Carlson or somebody else would be in a position to make that play. So I'm not really, you know, it wasn't really too concerned about the so-called compete level. It was just, you know, Tampa was more crisp than the Capitals were. And if they, you know, build off of it, Carlson comes back for the next game, I feel like they'll be ready to rock and roll and take things to the next level. So, I mean, to me, it was, it was, a, it was a quality game. You know, it went to, you know, shootout to, you know, extra rounds because both teams were playing, you know, equally well. Just that Tampa, you know, played a little bit better and were able to, you know, get that extra point. Yeah. Right. And to go back on uh, the thought about it, um, you know, disappointing that it ends in a shootout because we don't particularly love shootouts. But I, I am happy that they shortened the game because I don't want it to be one of these things where it's triple overtime and somebody gets hurt because they played too long. One of the advantages we've gotten by playing in this position is to not have to play grueling, super long games, right? Uh, you know, I thought it was good. We got to play a little extra. We got to play 65 minutes and uh, we get a result. Maybe it's not the result we wanted, but honestly, if I was, you know, at the end of the first period, if someone told me I was getting a point out of this game, I would have been happy because I didn't think it was going well. And I'll agree with you, Carol, about the compete level. Maybe it was just sloppy and not crisp. I just thought that they would seem crisper in the previous game. So I was surprised that it kind of fell back, but maybe part of it was we've had one of the longest layovers from the scrimmage to when we actually played the game. I mean, everyone else played it over the weekend pretty much, uh, and, and they didn't. The rest going into the next game. That game is until Thursday, so they get another extra day. Right. Um, and, but I but, will say I was impressed with, with Holtby. Uh, yeah. Truly, I feel like, um, gosh, they, the, the cameraman kind of zoned in on him, and, and I, I put on Facebook and, and thought, God, he is really in like beast mode. Like he he just looked so focused and so ready. And I was I was happy to see um I was happy to see that. And I was without Carlson, you you always want to know that the next person who's going to come up is going to be giving it their all. And I felt like I was I was um hesitant with Gudas, I'll have to admit. I felt like I was on the fence with how he was gonna do. Uh, but I thought he did well. I thought he was exactly where he needed to be. He, he played aggressively. He had, you know, some moments that I thought, you know what, that, that's what we needed to see from him. 
uh, to say, okay, you know what, good on you, like way to go 33. I mean, with Ludens, it's not really a question mark for me. Being the vet that he is and uh, some of the teams that he's played for, uh, he's one person I wouldn't have a concern about. I mean, offensively, you're not going to get anything, you know, out of him. But you're going to get solid defensive plays and quality uh, zone presence and, and get, the, uh, get the puck out of there as quickly as possible. Three things that the defensive team has to do. And I feel like he does those in all facets. I wouldn't even... Really, can, I was just more concerned that Carlson wasn't there, and more concerned about Gudis being in there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I I thought I mean I thought the whole team played pretty well in general, and I agree with you, Carol, that Tampa Bay is a really good team. I kept on looking at that roster, and more players kept on coming over. I'm like, man, this team is stacked. You know, I forgot <laughs> they even have Shattenkirk, right? Like Shattenkirk's <laughs> probably one of their worst defenders, but like you know, like. The fact that he can, you know, you know, be in, I, I assume, the bottom of their six is still a really good defender to have there, right? You yeah. know, like, so um, I don't actually know where he's slated in the defensive four. But but regardless, they just kept on having players that kept on coming over. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know, like, they, they don't stop, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, I thought that was a really good first test for our team uh, and to come out of it with a point. And as Carol was saying earlier, if we can get a win in the next two games, uh, and some other teams can sort of knock each other around, you know, we could be right there. And the reality is we were the third place team coming into this, right? So if we get first or second, that's fantastic. If we yeah. fall to fourth, it's not that big of a fall, right? But we just want to have good competition and just be prepared for the, the teams that are coming next. Absolutely. We all recall on that championship run, they won every series, close them out on the road. So uh, when you go on a road, for especially in the playoffs, it simplifies things. The guys are more focused. They don't have any distractions. And it's like a business trip, just like you, you want to treat it. You know, you go out there to handle your business. And that's why I, I really don't care where they finish in the top four. As long as they play in Capitals hockey, they can they can win the whole damn thing. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's um, – I think we've talked about as much as we can about one game. Uh, so I think we should uh, – talk about the NHL as a whole. So we're gonna uh, bring in uh, our next uh, guest here, uh, Brian Brennan, uh, who uh, talks part of our NHL roundtable. How are you doing tonight, Brian? Hey, what's going on everybody? How's it going? Hey, Brian. Good to have you in the building, man. Yeah. Always good to be here. All right, so I, I know it's gonna be a tough subject. Uh, we're gonna start it off with your team and then since we talked about our team first and then uh, from there we'll, uh, we'll talk about the rest of the NHL. So. There's Rangers series. I really thought the Rangers Carolina series would be a bit closer than it's been so far. And I will put the stat out there, hopefully to jinx it in your case, <laughs> that in a five game series, teams up 2-0 are 55-1 and in the history of the NHL. So the only other time it's ever happened is a New York team, the Islanders, doing it over the Capitals in 1986. So I'm hoping, and, and since the late 80s, there haven't been five-game series. So it's been a long time. And uh, so I'm hoping uh, that you guys can make a series of this. What have you seen in the first two games against the Hurricanes? Well, uh, I thought this was going to be a really good matchup for the Rangers going into it. As I said last week, um, I thought that you know they, you know they had a good grasp on Carolina. They had beaten them every single time they had played in the regular season this year. But um, honestly, I underestimated how good Carolina was. They've got a lot of really good players. Sebastian Ajo has been killing it. Uh, Svechnikov, I think is his name. He scored a hat trick today. Um, and the Rangers have just, you know, they're just not playing their best hockey. 
Um, in the first game of the series, they had seven power plays. They didn't score on any of them. Um, they actually scored a shorthanded goal, but they didn't score a power play goal, um, which was crazy in the first game. Uh, the first game was much closer than this one. Honestly, Carolina pretty much dominated this game. Uh, they scored this second game. They scored um, two goals in a minute and 11 second span to make it 3-1 in the second period. And then they scored a put-away goal in the third period. Uh, it just hasn't been good. Um, Henrik Lundqvist started in goal for the Rangers. Uh, that was the big question going into the series, who was going to be starting goal. Uh, the rookie, Igor Shosturkin, is not even dressing for the series. Um, so so it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but um, Lundqvist is – I honestly have to say Lundqvist is doing all he can. Um, he's, he's, he's been as good as he possibly can be at this point. He was really good in game one, less good today. But um, it, it is frustrating, you know, to know that there's – I really don't think there's much of a chance for a comeback. Um, I think Carolina's really looking good. They look, you know, they showed why they went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So uh, I'm not too optimistic for a comeback, but um, you know, we'll see what happens. Anything can happen in a best of five. Do you think, I mean, this is a very short term around until uh, your game three, which is actually tomorrow, uh, if you're checking us out live or Tuesday, if you're not. Um, but uh that short turnaround can be good because you've got the fire and the anger and the, you know, and you know, the backs against the wall, it can also be difficult because you'll be tired, obviously. Uh, do what are your thoughts in a game three? I know you don't think they're going to come back overall in the series, but do you think the Rangers take a couple here and make it a long series? Or do you think that it's done uh, tomorrow? I mean, if it's anything like the first two games have been the Carolina hurricanes are going to sweep this series. Um, it's, I really have not been optimistic from what I've seen from the Rangers at all. And they're without Jesper Foss, who's been one of their best players all season. He actually got injured in a hit, uh, in game one from his former teammate, Brady Shea. It, it wasn't like anything malicious or anything, but it was interesting to see a former teammate, uh, injure a, a current, uh, Ranger. I thought that was crazy, but, um, yeah, I think that's costing the Rangers as well. Uh, I, I don't think there's much hope going into game three, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I think they are going to start Lundqvist in game three. Um, I, I don't think they have any reason to go to Shosturkin at this point or Georgiev. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think it's going to be – I think the Carolina is going to close it out. But um, if the Rangers can force it, I think the furthest this is going to go is four because I really think Carolina is playing red-hot hockey right now. Yeah. All right, one, one last question about the, um, the Rangers. Uh so why is I don't know why was the goalie out and sitting out the goalie that's been so good all season for you? Um, nobody's really sure. They just decided to go with Henrik Lundqvist. Shosturkin might have actually been injured in the warm-up game against the Islanders, or maybe a practice after that. They haven't really said anything on it, but um, it makes sense why they're going to Lundqvist, obviously, because he's got the most playoff experience over a guy like Georgiev, who's the backup goalie. Um, I mean, you know, Lundqvist pretty much has every Ranger playoff record. He's been in ev so many playoff games. That's why they're going. That's why they decided to go with him. Um, you know, he's, the only thing missing from his playoff resume is the Stanley Cup, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, going to Lundqvist was the right decision over Georgiev. I do wish the Sirkin would have gotten some playoff experience. But um, eh, what can you do? Right. Yeah, because for me, it was. Uh, they kept on showing him, but not explaining why he wasn't playing. So yeah. it was kind of, it was kind of a weird yeah, thing. It's weird. Uh, 
And um, just overall, a lot of those goals, I really don't put on Lundqvist. I thought they were mostly poor defensive efforts on almost all of them. I mean, there's yeah. one or two goals over the both of the first two games that I would blame Lundqvist for, but a, a vast majority was on the defense and not on yeah. him. But, um, you know, and that's disappointing because I thought you guys started off pretty well today. The Rangers did. Uh, and then it kind of, as you said, that two minutes kind of all just fell apart for them. And then it kind of feeds into this Carolina and then, kind of control the tempo from there. So I think that that's going to be your key in a game three is obviously get the lead early and somehow play better defense and you know, support what uh, Hank is doing. Yeah, definitely. And I think having a neutral site is hurting them as well. Cause now, you know, they're playing at the same place instead of going to Madison square garden. So I think that's going to hurt as well, but um, everybody's got to deal with that. So that's not unique to the Rangers. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if the second change being able to choose your line based on the other team's line, will have any impact also with the face-off dot, you know, where you can put your stick. You know, those are little things, but they're the only things that are different now. Um, so I'll be curious to see. We haven't seen it shift yet from one home place to the other, quote-unquote, home. Uh, but um, it'll be interesting to see if that changes some of these series or not. Um, but I'm hoping tonight that the Penguins go down – Oh, two. That's going to be an interesting thing. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. So let's get into that series next. Cause I, I was sort of shocked by, um, you know, we talked about compete level earlier, but Montreal, I thought played pretty well. I think Pittsburgh did not play well in that first game, but uh, I'll start off with you, Anna. What were some of your thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I kind of went into it um, pulling for, any team that plays the Penguins really is what it comes down to. But I will say that this, the Canadians, uh, wow. Like they, they really came out and they played smart hockey. And I think that that always shows that there's a side of uh, other teams that when they get a little too comfortable in the playoff position, uh, a little too cocky or a little too arrogant or whatever it is that they tend to make mistakes. And I think that, um, yes, Crosby scored, but I really didn't think that we saw um, the Penguins at their, at their best. Um, I just, I mean, not to say that they're not gonna come back tonight with vengeance, but <laughs> I think that they kind of let their guard down and I, was in, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll admit that, um, you know, it was, it was kind of nice. And that's what I think was so fantastic about this whole playoffs in general is there are a couple of teams out there that are just, well, I didn't see that coming or a holy, you know, I didn't see that score coming, you know, kind of thing. And, and that's what makes it so exciting is that there isn't any kind of, you know, shoe in everyone is at, you know, the starting gate, everyone's there at the same time. And, it, and it's just going to be, who's going to keep the head in the game and who's going to play smart hockey and stay out of the sin bin and give it their all. And I think that we're starting to see, you know, teams that have players that are shining um, and others that are going to kind of come forward. And I think it makes it very exciting. Yeah. So um, I, you nailed a lot of important points that I wanted to sort of speak <laughs> on. One is that this is really the playoffs, right? So yeah. like, I've sort of been debating back and forth should these points and these you know stats count towards playoff stats, right? Because now we're going to have five rounds versus four. And right. as, as a stat guy, that kind of hurts me because I'm like, how could any stat compete with that? But I'm going to have an asterisk by regardless. So, I mean, it, it, with the extra, you know, with the new format, you're probably not even going to be able to put it into the same category as a regular, you know, playoff series just because of that factor in itself that it was an extra 
you know, round that can skew the numbers or whatever. So I don't even think that if they do have any records, they're all going to have asterisk by it. Right. Well, that's probably true. But and but I do love the compete, especially in these five game series. Um, you know, the round robins have been very exciting as well. I think actually I've yet to see a not exciting hockey game come out of this. And there yeah. was a lot of hesitancy from a lot of hockey fans and a lot of hockey groups saying you're letting a lot of subpar teams get in here. And I would say some of these teams are surprising people. And the reality is after a four month layoff, everyone kind of has a clean slate. You don't know, everyone's healthy. You know, everyone has opportunity. Everybody, you know, all the stars are healthy, rested. So it's more of an even playing field. And we know how hockey is unpredictable. You kind of run into a hot goalie or a hot team that might not necessarily been playing their best at the end of the regular season. But because of this situation, they got to regroup, recharge their batteries, and maybe their coaches put some new wrinkles in and saw some things when they were sitting at home for four months and saw some things that were needed to be fixed and they got a chance to actually fix those things. So now, as I say, it's a whole new ball game with this setup. So I kind of, unfortunately, had to become because of a pandemic, but this is going to be a unique hockey playoff just for that fact alone that it's more of a level playing field that most teams are healthy and have had time to fix some of the errors of their ways earlier in the season. So, I think we're going to see some good hockey from start to end, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it, the level has just been much higher than even I was anticipating. I thought there had been yeah. a lot more rust from the beginning. Uh, you know, we saw a little bit of that in the Caps game today, but um, I just overall, I just I'm really impressed with the play. Every game I've watched has been exciting, even games I probably wouldn't care about usually. Okay. I like this wall-to-wall coverage that they're all playing. Since they all have to play in the same buildings, that yeah. means that they're all getting televised, right? Because like they have that opportunity because it was scheduling now. Um, I just think okay. oh, overall, it's just been really exciting. Anna, what are, have you watched any of the other games? Oh yeah, so uh, so Brian, I was uh, pulling for your team. <laughs> so Thank you. Like I it. Was, I like it. I, I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, guys, I watched the whole thing. But I will say what, what kind of kicked off the whole, um, this is no joke, like these playoffs are, are dead serious, is the fact that you have a veteran player like Justin Williams dropping the gloves, who yeah. that's not his thing. He didn't do with, you know, uh, definitely didn't do with the Capitals. That, that just wasn't his style. And the fact that when he went to Carolina, he, you know, led the team and then kind of uh, was back and forth on retiring, not retiring, everything. And then all of a sudden he comes out and there there you are. He's dropping the gloves. First period, like he's ready to go. He kind of set that president and it was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like <laughs> this is good stuff. And you could see there was a lot of, you know, uh, needing to kind of get that out. But I think Justin Williams, uh, he was the one kind of surprise. Uh, for me, I was really hoping to see more from the Rangers. Um, I don't think they're out. You I and don't. me both. <laughs> I'm going to hope for the best, but I, I, I do agree with you. Carolina has a pretty fantastic team, and they definitely have that drive over the last two seasons where they just kind of um, were so close and then didn't get it. So, ugh. 
Yeah, I, I love seeing the cup in the middle of the ice. I, I know <laughs> because it's a neutral. Yeah, site, me too. Yeah, I think that looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it looks it's, better that way, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I kind of think that all teams should have to do that for the the Stanley Cup playoffs from now on. I, I love that look just because yeah. it really it reminds you. Steve Dangle said it the best. The second he saw Stanley Cup written on the side and the cup is there, and they realized that these games really matter. And for yeah. these teams in the early rounds. You know, some people are like, well, they're, you know, they're sort of play-ins to the thing, whatever. No, these are playoff games. It's like March Madness when they added the first four, right? Yeah. Those are all games yeah. that count, right? I mean, yeah. even if it's another round or whatever, it's they all matter a lot. Um, I'm hoping that some of these teams can pull off some upsets here. You know, we already talked a little bit about the Habs. Hopefully they're playing tonight at 8 o'clock. Uh, we can maybe even give scoring updates. I actually just put on another game. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights right now are playing against the Dallas Stars. Uh, they're up one nothing. So this is their first game. Uh, okay. We talked about how the Caps um, had their first game today. The only teams that had not played other than the Caps and Tampa Bay are these two right here. So Vegas is up one nothing at home. Um, and it's 16 uh, 15 uh, left in the second period uh, in that game. Uh, so uh, that one's right now on NHL Network uh, and is also on uh, NBC Sports until I believe that uh, Penguins game is on a little bit later. So I don't know much about that series because it's happening right now. But uh, the, the Islanders, Florida had one game and then they've had a couple of days off. Uh, the Islanders uh, have taken a lead in that series. I didn't get to watch any of that game did any of you guys watch any of that game yeah i did i actually saw a good portion of that game um it was a good game florida fought with the islanders um the islanders scored the first two goals then florida got one in the third to make it 2-1 they were trying to fight back from there but uh the islanders ultimately closed the door uh it was it was a pretty good game pretty good start to that series but um you know like i said last week i still probably expect the islanders to come out on top in that series yeah that makes sense all right. Of course, he's going to know, have him ready to play. And, uh, yeah, just like I was talking about Caroline the week before, I, they're, they're going to be a problem. And like you said, with the fact that Jesse Williams dropping the gloves, you got a coach that has him motivated and playing. It, it, it's going to be an interesting playoffs. And, yeah, Carolina's going to be a problem. So whenever, yeah. you know, whenever things get settled with the round robin thing and uh, it's about to get into it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how these playoffs fall out because there's just a lot of hungry teams out there. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. For sure. So the series that I'm really interested in, and I, I was watching, and I'm a big, I've already mentioned his name, Steve Dangle fan. Um, you know, I've always sort of loved his podcast style and his, you know, his post-game shows, and I always wanted to do that as part of what inspired me uh, to help create this show with Carol. Um, that series is so interesting with Columbus, right? Because you got two teams that are just filled with playoff heartbreak over the last bunch of years. Uh, now Columbus did kind of break through last year, but both of them had been knocked out of first rounds so many times over the last couple of years. So some team doesn't get actually to be able to be part of the first regular round this year. Um, and so it's going to be a really interesting battle. Uh, as we talked about last week, uh, Tortorella is a great coach and uh, he gets teams up for games. And I thought that he uh, had a really uh, great game plan against Toronto. It's hard to beat Toronto. I know that technically it's not their home ice, but 
they played in that ring so often. It's hard for me to believe that there isn't some inherent advantage just in, you know, being able to, you know, that they have more practice in that arena than anybody knows how the boards balance all of that. And uh, the fact that they were able to hold them down and be able to just put together a really respectable win. I was very impressed by Columbus. Did anybody else see any of that uh, game or series so far? I only saw highlights. Yeah, I didn't see any of it, unfortunately, but it sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's get a shutout in the playoffs or start the uh, start of the season. Uh, restart is, you know, letting you know that they're ready, they're focused, and they're looking to play some hockey. So, yeah, Columbus, you know, they, they have had a lot of first-round heartbreak, you know, especially when the Capitals run when they came back and won four straight over Columbus, which is beautiful. But uh, I, I'm not really a Tortorella fan. I mean, he's a quality coach, but he's a cool so I really don't get much credit. I just remember when I remember the playoffs with the Rangers when he said, you know, their fans were louder and the crowd was chanting, we are louder, or we can't. I was living every minute that they, they ran that dude about the field and that was beautiful. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Um, so the other series, uh, well, it's not really a series, it's the other round robin that happened yesterday. I was really surprised by the result of this game. I thought Boston played really well all season. I thought they were going to wipe the floor with um, Philly, but if people remember, Philly was coming on strong at the end of the season, and they were overtake going to overtake us probably for the division yeah. uh, at the rate it was going, um, and we only were able to beat them by a point or something, even though division championship doesn't really matter when you reseed based on this new rule, but um, I'm still happy to have it over them. Uh, and I just thought they kind of dominated Boston. I was kind of laughing because I was rooting against Boston on two of my TVs, both in basketball <laughs> and in hockey. Uh, and, um, you know, it's uh, – I was just really shocked by that result. Did any of you guys see any of any of that game? I did. Yeah, yeah I saw a little bit of it, yeah. So Anna, When it, comes, when it comes down to a, a Brad Marchand moment um, and – having to uh, hopefully see somebody take him out. <laughs> um, I'm all for it, but no, I was, I knew going into this, uh, this particular um, Philly Boston match, this was going to be intense. This is, this was going to be um, not dirty plays, but there were going to be a couple there and it was going to be very, very physical. And I will say Philly impressed me. They did not stop. They gave, 60 minutes of hockey, uh, physical, aggressive. And, and I felt like, I don't know if, uh, if Boston was off because Tuka Rask was out and that kind of threw them for a loop a little bit. I mean, I think that, you know, sometimes I, maybe you have that superstition of like, you want a, a certain goalie to play and, and the first game, especially when it comes to the playoffs and he's unable to, cause he's ill. Uh, kind of throws a little mojo off a little bit. Um, I think that Boston played sloppy, um, but I think that they still were in it. I, don't, I won't be surprised the second game if they come back, you know, <laughs> super and super aggressive and, and whatever. But I was uh, kind of hats off to the Flyers for how they played. Yeah, it's, uh, I was reading here. Well, uh, Brian, look, give me your thoughts real quickly on the game, and then I, I was going to explain why Tuka Rask missed the game. Yeah, I was going to say I, I was surprised Tuka Rask missed the game, too. Um, obviously, that was a huge loss for the Bruins, and um, Philly has just been on a roll. Like you said, they've, you know, they were doing great before the pause happened. 
And, um, you know, they were really on pace to potentially win the division. So, um, I mean, they were just on fire and uh, they just kind of kept going with this game. And, um, you know, they look really good right now. They're looking like one of the stronger teams. Um, we'll see what the Bruins can do. They were the number one team, I believe, in the league before the pause. So we'll see what they can do coming back from this. But, yeah, uh, definitely a good start for Philly. Yeah. Here, here, do you have something to say real quick? Yeah, I mean, we know Boston is also without Pasternak, I believe. So, you know, not having a good score. Philly is a gritty team. As you said, they was coming on. It's like a kind of like a, a perfect storm for Boston not having the league score. Another one of the more hungrier, feisty teams in the league that was, like you say, making the run before everything shut down and had the time to prep. So, yeah, Boston might be in trouble with not having that leading score. But, uh, I mean, they can come back strong and, you know, try to get momentum back. But Philly, you know, Philly, Philly is kind of is a hungry team. And Philly, you know, has that push that they were playing well. And I think that they're going to – they might be able to <laughs> give Boston some uh, some trouble. Actually, Boston, he played. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He he, uh, he was a minus three on the game. So, oh. he actually was a negative for them in that game. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Marshawn was also a minus two. So, the people were joking in caps forums that their best players, their top line – was actually a detriment for them in this game. Uh, but you're right, he did miss some time, so I'm sure that that did have yeah. an impact on his uh, on his play level. And uh, to go back uh, to why their goalie didn't play, um, he had a cough, and so he checked the box. So they gave him a questionnaire for every player before they play, and he said, yes, I have a cough right now, and he did. And so it set off red flags, and once you say you have any cough whatsoever, you have to have two – negative tests in a row before you can play again so he said red lights all flashed in the system and yeah and they basically put him in his own room and they're like yeah to the, du- to the dungeon with you so um so they, uh, he didn't get to uh get to play in that game but he says he's back now so obviously that'll have an impact uh, i do want to talk about a couple of these other series because some of these games were just wild uh the blues at Going up date in the uh, Dallas Golden Knights game. Uh, yeah, Golden Knights were up one nothing. Dallas has scored two goals in two minutes and took the lead two one with uh, <laughs> ten minutes and seven seconds left in the second period. So yeah, it's a brand new game. Yeah, forty two uh, seconds it says. Forty two seconds. I'm, I was uh, into the show. I thought it was a little bit longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. So I'll take uh, it. Yeah, it's crazy. So let's uh, just, we didn't really talk about some of the other teams, the West Coast uh, in last week's show, but we have a little bit of a longer segment tonight um, and uh, with our hockey talk. So I thought I would bring it in a little bit. The Blues Avalanche is another one of those wild card series games. Uh, they're not wild card, uh, the, the round robin ones. I apologize for my son screaming if you can hear that. <laughs> um, uh, the, the Western Conference. Right. So he doesn't like the Western Conference. Right. That avalanche uh, beat the Blues with 0.1 second remaining. It is the closest I've ever seen it hit yeah. to zeros ever. And I've seen some pretty like 0.5. We've seen point, you know, we've seen a lot of 0.3 sometimes. I've never seen 0.1. They had to look at it for a long time because it was like, is there a sliver? Is there not? It was so hard for even me to tell. I was pausing and rewinding. I was like, I have no idea. I don't want to be the guy I have to make this call, right? Because I could see it going either way. So I thought that it was still maybe barely touching the line. Uh, but uh, in the end, uh, they gave them the goal. But it was it was pretty crazy. Uh, the Avalanche were the lead up to 
uh, one over the Blues in that in that game because of it. It was a one-one game, just crazy ending. Um, and uh, I'm gonna have to go let my dog out. But um, I I don't know if anybody else saw any of that game, but uh, they can uh, let them they let people know what their thoughts were. Yeah, that's I didn't see the game at all, but uh, that's yeah, that's a tough way to lose a point one on the clock. But we're going, like I mentioned before, we're going to see some some quality hockey because, like I said, they have time to prep. Everybody's healthy, you know. No one come up, you know, with negative tests. We just talked about Tuukka which we didn't know. So hopefully, Freddie's back with the team. So that means hopefully he should be in good health because we don't want nobody to risk their health for this game. Even though we do love having uh, hockey back, you know, it is very uh, satisfying because uh, I did truly miss some hockey this offseason, just a layoff or whatever. But uh, what's been so far, Brian, I go to you first and I go to you, Aaron. What's been the, the best part of this? I know I know we had, what, 12 and a half hours of hockey on Saturday. And <laughs> on Sunday. So what's the, I haven't had a chance to catch it. I was at work and doing another show yesterday. So I haven't been able to bask in the, uh, the good times of all the hockey. So what is the, the best part of the playoffs, or run, ramp up to the playoffs has been, have you liked so far? Um, well, I mean, I've, I've loved really, like you said, how everybody is coming in fresh and, you know, it's very clear. Everybody's ready to go. They've been waiting for months and, um, you know, they're giving it their best in some of these games. And we've seen, you know, a couple of upsets too. We saw the Blackhawks win. We saw the Arizona Coyotes win. Those are a couple of big upsets out West. Um, I, you know, it's, it's been good to see. Uh, I, and of course, Montreal as well over Pittsburgh. I really, uh, you know, I really enjoyed watching it. I'm an NBA guy first, but I, I will say I've really enjoyed the return of the NHL. It's been good to have hockey back. It's good to have, you know, I, I love having sports on, you know, the middle of the day. You can turn it on. There's probably an NBA or an NHL game on. That's awesome. Um, it's, it's really nice. It's just fun. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. The, re- the return of hockey has been great so far. Nothing, No complaints. And best of all, no positive tests so far. Exactly, exactly. Anna, what do you think? Yeah, I'm on board. After going uh, so long without anything except the PGA to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Not a sport. It's just walking. (laughs) Carol, you say it's not a sport. Have you tried it? I couldn't even hit the ball off the tee. So I, <laughs> I tried. I went to the driving range. Because I, I could be wickedly competitive at a mini golf, but on on actual like a golf course, I find it infuriating. So I admire their skill. We'll just leave it at that. But I am so glad to have uh, hockey back. And I will say, I agree. Like I think that the players. Um, I will say hats off to the NHL for for the bubble. I mean, it has been exactly what these players needed is, you know, hey, I'm sorry that you have to be away from your family for two months, but they made it as comfortable as possible. Pictures of their family, you know, their all the amenities that they could need from home to kind of get them in the right mindset. And so I think that's just, you know, awesome on that end. But I have been so impressed with watching teams that I don't usually watch coming out and given the 60 minutes of hockey. And that's exactly, you know, what we all wanted to see. And so I think what stood out was uh, the Blackhawks game, uh, high scoring, you know, it was like, whoa, like where did this come from? And and, then, you know, it was starting off high and then the other, you know, it was 
I don't know. It was great. It was great to see the Pens lose, <laughs> as usual. Definitely. That's always that's always a good thing. Um, and you know, with Montreal, and I will say that I have all of a sudden I've kind of become really angry with the Calgary Flames um, because yeah. of Chuck or whatever, however you want to say his name. <laughs> dirty player, dirty hit taking out Sheffield on the Jets. And so now I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull for the Jets, which is kind of my mom's team uh, being from Winnipeg. Uh, but so it's, it's been exciting to see. So real quickly, I just wanna go over some of the series. So the Calgary Flames, Winnipeg Jets is 1-1 and so it's yeah. an eight, nine matchup. And um, the Chicago Edmonton one, I was shocked, especially because Edmonton again, so both teams, the only two teams that get to play in their own ranks, right, have lost yeah. their only game so far, which I thought was really interesting, um, especially because they were the higher-seeded teams. Toronto just barely, it's an 8-9 matchup as well. But Edmonton's at the 5-12 matchup, right? So the 12 is, um, you know, one of the two worst teams in the league. And Montreal, another 12, beat the Pittsburgh. So in both 5-12 matchups, uh, you have an upset so far. So looking at it from, like, March Madness point of view. I thought that's kind of interesting. <laughs> and then uh, Arizona, also a lower seed, uh, yeah. beating Nashville. They're up one nothing. Uh, so uh, and then Minnesota over Vancouver. They're also uh, Minnesota's the lower seed in that one, and uh, they they put together a good game too. So uh, some exciting stuff. Um, just taking a look at the games ahead. Uh, so I already mentioned that today uh, there's still going to be. Um, a couple more games coming up. The Blackhawks play the Oilers again. That one's going to be at 1030. The Penguins play the Canadians uh, in their game too. That's at eight o'clock. Uh, this uh, uh, Dallas Stars are on the power play now. They're still up 2-1 with 815 left in the second period. And then uh, starting tomorrow, uh, Panthers, Islanders, Coyotes, Predators, uh, Blue Jacks, Maple Leafs, uh, Flames, Jets, Hurricanes, Rangers, and Wilds. Uh, and Canucks will all be playing again. So just a huge slate of games. Uh, but going forward, I just want to point out the Capitals games um, just because uh, the uh, round-robin format. So, again, Tampa Bay is going to play Boston on a little bit of a shorter rest. Uh, so nobody in the round-robin tomorrow. The round-robin uh, comes back on uh, Wednesday uh, with Tampa Bay versus Boston. So that'll be an exciting matchup just yeah. because those two teams hate each other. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then August 6th, uh, the next day on Thursday, you have the Caps versus uh, the Flyers, and those two teams hate each other. Yeah. So that'll be a, a, a bloodbath <laughs> as well. Uh, and then August 7th, there's another day off. And then August 8th, uh, we play the Bruins. Uh, so it's a little bit of a shorter turnaround for uh, the Capitals. First time they will have played just with only one day rest in between. And then uh, the last one in that round robin format, uh, Philly will play the Lightning on August 9th. And then August 10th, which is next week's show, nobody plays. So all of the best of five series will be over. All of the round robin series will be over. And yes. next week, we're going to do a preview show for the next round where we can recap how some of these series all went and uh, preview who's, we'll finally know how the bracket will be set. And uh, we'll be able to preview that since that'll be the only day off of hockey. And then it'll be right back to the grind from then on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, some, uh, some exciting things. I'm really excited about uh, this week of hockey. I'm going to let um, Anna and Brian give some of their final thoughts on it. And Carol, you too. And then uh, in about five minutes, we'll switch over to an NBA roundtable. So, 
I'll start off with you. Well, I'll start off with you, Carol. Uh, what, what are your, some of your thoughts of this uh, upcoming week? It's definitely going to be interesting to see the way this falls out. And uh, Dallas just went up 3-1 on Vegas. Just scoring the game. 7-10 left in the second period. Just a quick scoring update. But it's definitely, uh, like I said before, it's going to be an interesting uh, playoff. You got hungry teams. You got a more level playing field with, you know, everybody being healthy, everybody, uh, you know, recharge their batteries. Definitely, you know, the coaches went and looked at film and studied stuff when they had all that time off to make adjustments and make their team better and, you know, whatever aspect they were lacking. And we're going to see some interesting, you know, things. We talked about Carolina and talked about some of these other teams that's, you know, hungry that, you know, were so-called lower seeds that wouldn't have made the playoffs as well before this. Well, I believe they're going to make up for it when you see that, as you said, the compete level from the beginning. They're all into the games. They're all playing, you know, crisper than we expected. And we've seen some very entertaining hockey, and I feel like it's going to be that way going forward. Yeah, and I want some of your thoughts on uh, the week ahead. There's a lot of hockey to talk about. It's a lot of hockey, and I and I wholeheartedly believe that is now is the time to don't count anybody out. Um, these players have come out, and they are ready, and I love it. <laughs> and I love the fact that you know they're uh, yes, we're seeing fights. Uh, yes, we're seeing uh, you know some penalty moments, but nothing. Um, well, I shouldn't say because of the, the Calgary Jets game, but nothing major in regards to injuries because I think that everyone is just, uh, they're ready to give it their all. And I think we're going to see some fantastic hockey and just don't count the, the underdogs out in this you know situation. I think people get so used to hearing the same top names all the time, but I really think that there's going to be some underdogs that are going to, shine through these playoffs and we're going to be like, whoa, where did this team come from? And that makes it that much more exciting. Yeah, Brian, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that this, this, um, this whole hockey bubble has a real March Madness feel to it. I think any underdog has a chance. Um, and that's exciting to see. And that's honestly a little refreshing. Um, I think it sets up for a really exciting rest of the tournament, the rest of the way. Um, I'm excited to see how these round robin games go. Um, I, you know, hope I'm hopeful the Rangers can maybe salvage a game, but, um, we'll see when it comes to that series. Uh, other than that, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these other series play out, like even the Blackhawks Oilers series. I'm going to stay up a little bit late for tonight. I want to see how that goes. Um, yeah, that's just been awesome to watch so far. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it sounds good. Well, and before we let you go, I just so uh, did you guys tape a power play point podcast this week? I, I, we, did. I <laughs> we did. Sounds we good. Did. Um, we were able to do a PowerPoint play podcast last night, and I think Gil said he'll have it out tomorrow. Uh, we do the same thing, like we're recapping um, kind of feelings on players and how uh, kind of not so much scoring how they did, but a, a little a little teacher and some, you know, moments there where I'm given some grades. Uh, but overall, we're in the same situation. We are just super happy to have hockey back and see healthy players and, and fingers crossed it continues. Yeah, well, we'll have two more games, Capitals games to recap next week and uh, we'll have a sense on how the playoffs all shake out yeah. uh, and a better sense on that. So anybody who wants to check out more of that when it airs, 
Uh, you can always go to sportsothp.com, click the Power Play Point podcast button, and uh, it'll pop up with all their latest episodes. And you can check out more of Anna and Gil over there. And uh, we really appreciate your time as always and look forward uh, to the playoff. Uh, I'm calling yeah. it the, the playoff real preview special next week because it's the uh, real like down to the 16. And I'm so ready. we're, we're going to have uh, maybe another extended NHL talk uh, next week as well. Uh, just because I think it's just so exciting. And if, if it goes anything like today went, I'm sure that we'll have plenty to talk about. Absolutely. It was awesome. Thanks so much for having me on and, and have a, a great rest of your episode. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right, bye. Have a good night. All right. Sounds good. All right. So uh, with that, I think we uh, are going to switch gears uh, to uh, the Wizards Roundtable Um and uh, I'm going to start to bring in a couple of guests here. We got Tim, uh, we got Arun and the DC's people champ. Uh, and uh, so we're going to bring all of them in. I'm also going to take control over the screen real fast. And uh, then we can have live scoreboards up uh, for it as well. And uh, so, yeah. Um, so I've got the, the current schedule up. Uh, for the Wizards, and we can talk a, a little bit about that. Uh, and uh, let me just see real quickly. Sorry, I'm changing my view over on the side. Uh, so hopefully people can see uh, the live um, uh, scores and stuff like that. But we've got a couple of games to break down uh, tonight. And uh, so um, I think I have three people. Is DC People's Champ on and I'm not seeing it? I can't. Hold on. I can't see him on yet. But we'll bring in DC People's Champ if not. But we'll first introduce the people that have joined us. Oh, there he is. Uh, speaking of uh, the champ himself, uh, how are you doing today, Ken? What's up, man? I'm doing fine. I just, I literally just came back from the store. I had to rush to the store and come back so I could make it on. <laughs> no problem. No problem. We appreciate you making time uh, for us. And uh, we look forward to having you break down these Wizards games uh, with us. If you don't know, um, DC People's Champ does a show on Fridays, uh, the No Spots podcast. Well, they record on Fridays. It now airs a little bit later into the weekend. Uh, but uh, yeah, they can check it out, No Spots podcast on uh, Facebook and all the different podcast platforms uh, as well. And uh, they cover the wrestling that we don't get to cover on this show, um, but uh, they, they really break it down great. And we always enjoy his NBA coverage as well. And we also have Tim Clark joining us again uh, for the fifth season, uh, talking uh, Wizards basketball with us. And we also have Arun joining us, our statistician and uh, just our overall general Wizard stats guy. And uh, so we appreciate having the whole team uh, with us tonight. We're just going to just dive right into it. We're going to break down these games real quick. And then we're going to talk about the NBA overall and your thoughts on how uh, this sort of return to play has gone. Um, but let's uh, break down some of these Wizards games first. So the first one we're going to do uh, is this Phoenix Suns-Washington uh, uh, Wizards game. And then we'll break down the Brooklyn Nets-Wizards game. And then we'll end up with the Indiana Pacers, one that was just completed not that long ago. Uh, but let's start off with the Phoenix Suns one. Uh, the, I'll break down the scoring first, and then I'll get each of your opinions on that game. Uh, it started off well, or decently enough, but uh, the Phoenix Suns did score an awful lot in that first quarter. I was happy to see the Wizards could put up 31. Scoring has been a question mark without some of their stars, uh, but to allow 38 points in the first quarter does not help. And then in the second quarter, they allowed 29. The Wizards only put up 21. 
They were able to make a bit of a game with it. Uh, coming back in the third, they outscored the Suns 29 to 22. Uh, but, but then the Suns kind of ran away with it a little bit, outscoring them 36 31 in the fourth uh, for a final score of 125 112. Uh, the leading scorer uh, for the Wizards uh, was Rui Hachimura with 21 points and eight rebounds. Uh, Thomas Bryant um, had uh, 10 points, seven rebounds. And uh, so uh, overall, um, uh, Jerome Robinson also put up uh, 20 points uh, for the Wizards, but uh, they could not hold the Suns down. Devin Booker had a game with 27 uh, on uh, DeAndre, is it Aiden? Uh, 24 points. Yeah. And uh, just they had scoring from all around. It wasn't necessarily like a, they basically had a bunch of uh, players in double digits as well. So uh, I'll start off uh, with uh, Ken. Ken, what were some of your thoughts on this uh, Suns Wizards matchup? Uh, Ken? He's the people's champ? Yeah, still alive? Might it be frozen? Yeah, he looks like he's frozen. So I don't know. Maybe he needs to jump back in. I don't know what happened there. All right. Well, we're going to go to you, Tim. Tim, what are your thoughts on the Suns versus uh, the Wizards? Well, uh, I think the Wizards um, clearly looked pretty sharp on offense. But as you mentioned, the defense was really bad, just like most of the year. And although Rui's stat line looked impressive by the end, he had some uh, ugly moments, especially in the first half. So I think there was a lot of rust. And just looking at uh, the box score, Ish Smith had the most shots on the team, you know, which isn't uh, – he's not a bad shooter or anything, but you don't you, – you, a winning team probably doesn't have Ish Smith, the primary shooter. So uh, I'm glad the young guys are getting the game experience, but you can tell – every game is going to be a struggle and um, they're going to struggle to be competitive with really any team in the bubble. Yeah, for sure. All right. I think we got a people's champ back. So uh, what, what are some of your thoughts on uh, the Suns versus the Wizards? It's, it's been what I've been saying with this team for the last couple of seasons. It's all, it's all about defense and, the fact that they just they went down so much in the first quarter, it was one of those situations where you dug yourself a hole so deep, you get, then you're trying to figure out how to climb out of it, and there you go. But it was good to see Rui Hachimura and, and Bryant really, you know, play 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 pretty well. Uh, you want that from the young guys and everything like that. So, but but all in all, like again, and it's been the story for at least the first three games, all about playing defense, getting stopped and taking advantage of your possessions and not giving them away. I agree. Um, I'll go to Brian, you next. What were some of your thoughts on this uh, first matchup? Yeah, just pretty much everything the guys have already said. Um, defense was just awful in this game uh, for the Wizards and um, just kind of gave me a sense that, you know, if this game was a struggle for the Wizards, pretty much every game in the bubble is going to be difficult for them. Um, you know, good game from Rui and Thomas Bryant. But um, not nearly good, you know, not nearly enough for the win. Uh, Phoenix had a much better team effort in this game. Um, yeah, really, you know, just it was honestly a pretty easy win for Phoenix overall. Um, not, not a good performance from the Wizards. 
Yeah. And Arun, the stats guy, what, what was your stats breakdown of this game? Um, yeah, pretty much that the Phoenix Suns, they took advantage by getting to the free throw line a lot in this game. I think the Wizards defense overall, they were giving effort. They were, they were just like committing silly fouls on the perimeter. Um, the Suns had over 30 free throws in this one. And if you were picking like the top 10 starters, like going into this game, Suns probably have the four best starters, including Mikel Bridges, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Ricky Rubio. But it's just, if they're just going by this game only and um, Phoenix, they're actually probably are like a legitimate playoff team in the Eastern Conference. They actually beat the Dallas Mavericks after they beat the Wizards. So it's, um, this is this was a tough game for the Wizards. And as everyone said, like all the games above were gonna be tough for the Wizards to come away with a win. Yeah, for sure. All right, I think that we've uh, talked about this game enough. Let's get into the next one, which for me was a must win game. And uh, it was a little bit disappointing uh, because uh, these are the games we talked about last week that are almost like two games in one. Like this is the team you're trying to chase and it's the only time you're playing one of the two teams you're chasing. And so like you needed to get this win if you're trying to make ground on some of these um, uh, teams here. And uh, I was disappointed. Uh, the Nets came out with a 24-21 first uh, quarter. Uh, then in the second quarter, the Wizards uh, sort of stormed back a little bit, 33-30 to make it tied at halftime. And then uh, the Wizards took a two-point lead after the third, outscoring them 31 to 29. Uh, but then Brooklyn outscored them by 10 in the fourth, 35 to 25. And then they ended up winning uh, by uh, a score of uh, the Brooklyn Nets did by a score of 118 to uh, 110. Uh, the leading scorer was uh, Thomas Bryant. He put up 30. Troy Brown put up 22. Uh, but for the Nets, um, uh, their their leading scorer. Uh, was uh, uh, Karis uh, Levert. Is that your problem? Levert? Right, yeah, you got it right. Yeah, and uh, 34. And then uh, Joe Harris uh, scored 27. And Jared Allen scored 22. So to have three scores, you know, with 22 or more points, probably not going to win a whole lot of games in that scenario. Um, I'm going to start off uh, with uh, Brian on this one. Uh, what, are, what are your some of the thoughts on uh, this matchup? Yeah, this was a, a must-win game, like you said, Robbie, for the Wizards to have any playoff chance. Uh, the Nets are, you know, like we said last week, not nearly the same roster that we saw them have at the start of the season. It's completely different. And, um, you know, th some people have said that it would be better for the Nets to miss the playoffs and get a better draft pick, which I believe get a draft pick at all because they would have gotten a pick from the Timberwolves if they missed the playoffs. So um, some people were saying it would be better for the Nets to lose out. And uh, Arun actually said yesterday when this game started that it looked like that's what the Nets were trying to do. Um, but I think that – I believe actually the Wizards started this game on an 11-0 run or some really good start to this game. Um, but ultimately, you know, the defense failed them again. Um, you know, a, ni a nice game from Troy Brown. I thought Troy Brown played really well for the Wizards in this game. And um, Thomas Bryant as well, but um, you know, not nearly enough, and just kind of surprising to see some of the guys on the Nets have good games. Other than Lavert, who's a stud, Caris Lavert is um, a really good young player in this league. But um, yeah, this was pretty much a do-or-die game for the Wizards, 
and uh, they pretty much died. Um, you know, it was, wasn't good at all. Um, not a good result for the Wizards and uh, probably ends their playoff chances at this point. Yeah, it's going to be a tough climb from here for sure. All right, uh, Champ, what are some of your thoughts on uh, this matchup? Thomas Bryant balled out, okay? This is the game we've been looking for from this kid this season because he had a couple breakout games last season. This season, he's been kind of middle of the road. This was a good breakout game. I just hate the fact that it was wasted with this team losing and pretty much ending their playoff chances, as everybody else has said. I got a hot take. I don't want the Wizards to make the playoffs at this point. I want them to go into the offseason so that when they come back next season, they'll have that dynamic backcourt of Beal and Wall, and then they'll have a great front court with Thomas Bryant and Rui Hachimura. And then that way they get a fresh start, everybody's healthy, and they go on a better run. I want them out now at this point. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, Tim, what are, what are some of your thoughts on uh, this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I actually agree completely with Ken there because I think long-term the best thing for the team is get these young players in some real game action against the better teams in the league and then still keep that draft pick for, for next year and keep Beal and Wall healthy. But this game was so disappointing because not only the start, but the Wizards led in the fourth quarter, I think, a couple of times. And they 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 just couldn't stop anybody. We had that guy, Chioza, um, who used to be on the Wizards, had a great game. Harris hit every big three. The Wizards are a terrible defensive team against uh, three, good three-point shooters. And I really think if they won this game, they're likely to – they would have likely um, forced the playoff, and that's not going to happen now. So, you know, you kind of circle this game before the schedule – or when the schedule was released, and it was a, a big dud, and they had their opportunities. So, you know, kind of a, kind of disappointing, but they'll, they'll move on. Yeah, especially when you see someone like Orlando put up some big numbers in their games because, you know, all these teams are fighting for these two spots and Orlando seemed to show up to play, but they also, you know, the, the Wizards are shorthanded here. It's a kind of a glorified summer league for them. And that's yeah. okay because, I mean, so far they haven't said what the other eight teams are going to get to do that didn't make this, right? So they miss out on potential summer league where they, you know, get some of the younger players in the rotation and uh, that could end up hurting some of these other teams, especially if we don't know if the league is going to start on time or how next season is going to go or whether they're going to go back to the bubble, which there's even some talk that they may do a bubble season or something, you know, where, you know, they continue this idea if it's, if they can't do a regular NBA season. So it'd be interesting to see um, how much that those other eight teams lose out by not being a part of this bubble. Uh, and so I, I agree with you all that, you know, win or lose at this point, this is just valuable experience for all of them. Uh, Arun, what are some of your thoughts on some of the stats of this game? Uh, yeah, the Wizards, as everyone said, their defense wasn't great. Then, like, the three starters that really didn't show up were Rui, only nine points after a pretty good offensive outing the last game. They were game planning to stop him. Four points by Bonga, only five points by Napier. And Jerome Robinson was four of 12 from the field with only 12 points. And um, Karis LeVert had 34 points. He also had 34 points in the last game against the Wizards. Uh, Harris made the U.S. Olympic 
or the for the world championship team for three-point shooting and the Wizards allowed him to shoot seven threes and he made six of them. Jared Allen had 22 points and 15 rebounds. So Thomas Bryant had a great game on the offensive end. He still needs to pick it up defensively. Um, yeah, I think it was pro it's probably best in the long run that the Wizards get the draft pick because they have a 20% chance of getting in the top four. And I don't think this is, yeah, as everyone said, this is like a summer league or G League team <clears throat> right now. For sure. All right. So let's get into uh, the game that happened today. So we're kind of doing a post game now. Um, and uh, it was an interesting matchup uh, against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, the Wizards uh, took a lead after the first quarter, 21 to 20. Uh, Indiana played a really good second quarter. They outscored them 36 to 26. Uh, the Wizards were playing well to start the third, and then they kind of fell off there. And in the end, the Pacers outscored them 34 to 21. Uh, the Wizards put together a pretty decent fourth quarter. They put up 32 points and only allowed 21. But at that point, it was too little too late. Uh, the Pacers ended up winning uh, 111 to 100. Uh, they, it did get closer in some points in the fourth quarter, but uh, I never really thought that the Wizards were going to come away with a victory, especially with how uh, that third quarter went. Uh, some of the leading scorers uh, for uh, the, the Pacers was uh, TJ Warren. Uh, and then uh, Malcolm, uh, is it Rogdon? Uh, yeah, he had scored 20. And uh, for the Wizards, uh, Thomas Bryant had another decent game. He put up 20, uh, but nobody else uh, broke the 20-point mark. A couple other players were in double digits, but it just wasn't enough scoring overall or enough defense, depending on how you want to look at it in my book. Uh, we're going to start off with Tim on this one. What were some of your thoughts on uh, this matchup? I think it was another uh, kind of disappointing game. I actually had big, big hopes for the German duo that the Wizards had um, going into this, I guess, tournament or whatever you want to call it, just because I had read that Bonga especially had been really dominant in practices, and he was one of the few players that was in a lot better shape after the COVID shutdown than before. And both him and Wagner have not played a lot of minutes and really not been very good. So that's, that's disappointing, but um, hopefully we can count on them for next year and acquiring them, you know, before the season was a good move. But, I mean, the Wizards hung tough in the first half. I think you even texted us and said the Wizards are actually closer than the Caps, and then pretty much it collapsed after that. But, <laughs> but um. That did happen. Until, you know, mid-second quarter, they were more competitive than you thought. And Warren, again, the, you know, probably the two, the, the best back-to-back -back games of his career shooting. So who knew what, you know, maybe he had a bunch of hydrochloroquine or whatever, but he, he <laughs> he's doing great. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Pacers are a good team and um, Wizards just couldn't hang with them. Yeah. Uh, Champ, what are some of your thoughts on this matchup? That third quarter was so sloppy. I mean, between the turnovers, at one point, they had had 10 turnovers that led to 20 pistols points. That's not good at all. That means every turnover that you had turned into at least two points right there. So there's the points lost right there. Then the fourth quarter came, and all of a sudden, they went on a 12-2 run. And I was like, okay, they could probably do this. But then, again, they got sloppy. 
they kept doing it was more too much pounding the pavement, pounding the pounding the rock and not passing around, creating shots and creating opportunities. And it just led to them against a team like this who was playing so well defensively. Uh, that's that's that was the problem. And again, I go back to my hot take I just said earlier. This this is a wash. Just just this is a wash. Maybe get a win or two, but this is a wash. They need to get get fresh for next for next season. Yeah, Brian, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't see any of this game, but um, T.J. Warren has been the hottest player in the bubble. He scored fifty points in his first game, and then. <clears throat> Today, another 34-point effort against the Wizards. Uh, the third quarter sounds just like a terrible job by the Wizards. It sounds like it was sloppy from the start. Uh, just another disappointing game. You know, this is one, like you guys said, they, they could have they could have pulled this one off. You know, it was, it was only an 11-point loss, but ultimately, you know, the defense lets them down. And, um, yeah, just another tough loss and what will probably be a series of tough losses. Yeah, I kind of expect us at this point to lose every game, but I hope that they're competitive and they can learn something for the future. Because I just, looking at the schedule ahead, and we'll get to that in a second, it's it's a steep road for the Wizards to try to get back into this. They basically have to win out, hope for a lot of things to go their way, and they'll still just barely get within that four-game threshold that they need to get. So for people who didn't follow from previous weeks, the Wizards' goal is to try to get within four games of whatever the AC team is. Um, so it could either be Orlando or it could be the Nets. Um, and I just don't see it happening. I was trying to calculate odds the other day. I was like, oh man, it's, first of all, I thought they were already out of it initially. And then I was like, oh, there's a path, but it's very, very slim. And uh, I mean, basically they'd have to win out and ultimately to try to, to re- have any reasonable chance at it. Um, but uh, I think I'm with a lot of you guys in the fact that just, you know, try to learn from this, use it as a growing experience. Uh, but before we uh, sort of end this, Arun, did you have any thoughts on uh, this matchup and any of the stats from this game? Uh, just that Indiana is also without its two best players, Victor Oladipo and Sabonis, and they're two all-stars, and they're like a, still a much better team than the Wizards are right now. <laughs> so um, yeah. nothing really that everyone said, like, um, yeah, Warren was had for cash considerations like this offseason, and now he's like falling with the Pacers, and that's good for him. And it'll be interesting to see if the Pacers are fully healthy. Maybe they can make a run at the Eastern Conference. Are those players that you mentioned? Do, can they come back? I, I, you know, or are they are they in the bubble, or they're just not playing? Um, Sabonis so left. He was in the bubble. He left with a foot injury, and maybe he can come back. And Victor Oladipo, he's in the bubble. He just isn't playing right now, but he did play in a preseason game. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, that is interesting. All right. So let's move away from the games that have happened, and we're gonna pull up just the upcoming uh, week. Uh, let me just refresh this for a second. Um, and, uh, so the, the games that are going to happen before our next podcast are, they're going to play the 76ers on Wednesday at the four o'clock game. They play the uh, new Orleans Pelicans at eight o'clock on Friday. And then they play the thunder at 1230 on Sunday. Uh, so, um, those will be some interesting matchups. And then the last two games that, uh, they will play, we'll, we can preview them next week is. A, uh, the Bucks, which uh, they had an interesting matchup last night. Um, that will be on Tuesday. It's a 9 p.m. game. And the Celtics game is going to be on the following Thursday, but the time has been 
uh, TBD right now uh, for that one. Um, I'm going to give each one of you a game real quick. And then I'm, I said, I don't want to give too much time to the upcoming schedule because I kind of think the Wizards are out of it already. But and then I want to get each one of your guys thoughts on a game or a, uh, that you really have enjoyed in this NBA um, uh, sort of uh, relaunch. Because uh, I know there's been a bunch of great games, and so I thought that I'd give each one of you guys an opportunity uh, to give your thoughts on that. And I apologize for Zach uh, <laughs> being quite loud. Um, but uh, so, Tim, I'm going to start with you. Uh, they're going to play the 76ers on Wednesday. What are some of your thoughts on that one? Well, I, I'm, the Wizards are going to be big underdogs. The 76ers are a playoff team, and their roster, especially their starting five, is really strong. Um, the one thing, though, with the 76ers, they've struggled the whole year to maximize the talent that they have. And I believe they lost their first game. I don't know if they played a, a second game yet. But yeah. they just don't look kind of sharp. And, I mean, maybe – I guess they're they're losing and they they lost to the Pacers already. So, I, I mean, obviously you have to predict the Wizards' loss, but I think because the 76ers have problems gelling and uh, playing together, they may take the Wizards lightly, and there's a small chance that the Wizards will win. And I think the Wizards' best one of the best wins of the year. They already beat Philadelphia at home. It feels like years ago, but only you know, several months ago, pre-COVID. So, you know, maybe we match up well against them and um, we can steal a victory here, but uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my house on it. Right. I'm going to give uh, the next game uh, to Brian here. They're going to play the Pelicans again, Friday at 8 PM. Uh, I'll pull up the Western conference. So the Pelicans are in the 11th spot. So they're fighting for a spot. They're still closer to being able to trigger uh, of the playoffs. So obviously uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. Brian, what are some of your thoughts again about the Pelicans? Yeah, the Pelicans have to win pretty much every game because they're in a tight tangle with um, the Spurs and the Trailblazers for that last playoff spot and the Grizzlies as well, who currently have the eighth spot. So they have to win pretty much every game. And uh, I think they'll probably win this game against the Wizards. Um, the Pelicans, I believe, have lost their first two games in the bubble, but um, this, will, this is a game they should probably win. Uh, we'll see if Zion Williamson, you know, his minutes have been carefully watched during the first couple of games in the bubble. And that's probably cost the Pelicans a little bit to not have, you know, their the franchise cornerstone not out there in big moments. But um, I think they'll win this game, at least against the Wizards. I think this is a, a good opportunity for the Pelicans to make up some ground in the Western Conference standings. Yeah, so up on screen right now, I have that they're tied currently in the third quarter with about 525 left, at least according to Google. Um, in, in a pretty close game uh, with the Grizzlies. And, uh, you know, they're pretty close in the standings as well. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty far away in the here, but I think that their wins are pretty close, right? Yeah, they're only four games separating them right now. So, uh, so it'll be an interesting matchup uh, for sure in that one. Uh, then uh, I'm going to give uh, Ken the next uh, matchup against the Thunder uh, 12:30 matchup there. Um, and uh, what are some of your thoughts on the Thunder uh, and playing them? Well, I mean, the Thunder are, are currently a, a playoff team at this point in time. Um, and 
anytime you play a, a team in the Western Conference in the top eight, it's almost it can almost be a certain loss. And the way this team is playing, because they don't have their cornerstones like uh, Beal and Wall, they don't have Dallas Bertans in that three. We cut out there for a second. And Bonga. I, I think you're back. And now. Ish Smith can also start putting up some good numbers, as well as play freaking defense. If they could do that, they could win this game and really put a really like put the thunder on notice. Like, hey, you're not invincible here, and, and maybe just maybe give themselves a little bit of a, a spark going into what the last two games. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, Arun, I'm going to let you just give your overall thoughts on, on the week ahead. Um, do you have any uh, additional comments you'd like to make? Uh, just for the Bucks game, the Wizards, theoretically, they have a chance because the Bucks should be resting their players. And the Bucks would maybe want the Nets to play the play-in games, but I, even that's a stretch because I think the Bucks don't really care if the Nets, if they play the Nets or the Wizards, and they should sweep either of those teams. But it is a possibility that the Wizards go against the Bucks without Giannis and maybe some of their other key players. But the Bucks have already blown out the Wizards without Giannis, and they beat them in overtime when Giannis fouled out of that game earlier in the season. So it's probably a loss. And let's and I. Hope they don't make the playoffs at this point, but we'll see. Do you have any more thoughts on either the, uh, the Sixers, Pelicans, or Thunder games before we uh, switch? Uh, the Pelicans, I don't know. If they, if they keep losing, they might not play Zion like because they lost their first two games. And if they lose to the Grizzlies, they maybe they won't play Zion because they're already not playing him in crunch time in crucial games. So... Um, but yeah, that should still be a loss for the Wizards. I'd probably take their entire starting five before I took anyone on the Wizards right now. All right. So I think that'll end our Wizards talk part of this segment. We're just going to talk a little bit general NBA, and then we're going to get into some baseball talk after that. Um, I'm going to let each one of you guys maybe talk about a game that you have watched since there's been so many great NBA games in the bubble. I've been really impressed. We talked in the first hour about how impressed I was with the compete level and the interesting games in the NHL tournament. I've been equally impressed by this NBA sort of almost more like March Madness feel style, just sort of everyone's together. And these each additional game seems to have a little extra weight than a regular season didn't. Uh, I saw it in my dad. He hates the digital fans behind it. I, I don't particularly mind it, uh, but uh, it's interesting. Uh, and and uh, it's really interesting that ESPN has this complex that has so many different uh, stadiums in it that they could do this where, because unlike uh, hockey where they only have two rings, you know, they've been able to play in, I believe three or four different uh, stadiums in this one area. And uh, so I, th I thought it's kind of cool that they could have three games going potentially simultaneously um, and still all be a part of the bubble. Uh, I'm going to talk just quickly about that. Uh, the Lakers Clippers game that started it off. I thought that was an incredible matchup. What a, a great way to sort of start this. Um, I know that LeBron didn't have an amazing game. Kawhi kind of kept the Clippers in it at points, but I just thought overall, you know, what a great way to sort of launch this. But there's been a lot of other really great matchups as well. So I'll let some of you guys talk about some of your favorites, and then I might 
bring up a couple of other games that they're not brought up as well. But let's start off with Tim. Uh, what other NBA matchups or games have you seen? Uh, or what are your thoughts on this uh, NBA restart? Well, I'm glad you're letting me go first because I think I'm not the only one. But that uh, Friday night crazy game, uh, the Battle of Texas, Houston versus uh, the, da- the Mavericks, that game had zero, zero defense. But um, unlike a lot of Wizards games, I think players just made shots. There was really sharp offense. Uh, Dallas really blew it at the end of regulation. That's going to be a really tough loss for them, especially as they're fighting for seeding. But um, Luca had a great game. I think a triple-double. I might be wrong about that. But uh, it was just an awesome overtime game. Tons of points. Tons of um, one-on-one isolation play. But as a casual fan, you know, it's great to see, like you said, that competitiveness. And I feel like the players in all the sports in the bubbles, they're probably really antsy and kind of frustrated with uh, not having ladies around. And, you know, they're taking out that competitive <laughs> fire in the games, which is great. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, that was a, a really great matchup. Uh, I agree. Uh, Brian, pick a game that you really like so far. Uh, I really liked the Celtics Trailblazers game yesterday. Um, I, I was um, bandwagoning. I've been bandwagoning the Trailblazers a little bit. So I'm a big fan of Lillard and CJ McCollum. And they were down big in this game. At one point, they were down 24 points. And um, they came back and actually took the lead several times on the Celtics. But uh, really big games from uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum uh, were able to give the Celtics the win. Uh, this was really a fun back-and-forth game. It came down to the wire. Um, I echo what Tim said about the game on Friday night, Rockets Mavericks. That game was great. Uh, going to overtime and everything and Lakers Clippers to start it all off. Really. I think the play has been great. It's really been crisp. Um, you know, everybody seems to be playing at hundred percent. Like we said about the NHL earlier. And, um, it's just great to see it. Uh, I actually, I think the virtual fans are, um, kind of cool. I think, um, I think it's kind of cool uh, the way the NBA is doing it. I don't like the way they're doing it for baseball on the Fox broadcast, but uh, overall, I like the way the NBA is doing it with the way they have virtual fans. They even had uh, Paul Pierce was at, was one of the virtual fans during the Celtics Trailblazers game yesterday. So um, I think the virtual fans are fine. Those got to be pre-recorded, right? But it's kind of funny because they must have some preset ones because, like, the second the camera went on him, he, like, changed his facial reaction. But I couldn't tell if it was, like, he's zooming in or they just, like, pre-planned that recording to change or whatever. But I thought it was it was interesting nonetheless. I don't know how they do it or what their, their thing is. But uh, I definitely like uh, how they've got a bit of the home court that they put into it as well to give a little bit of home court feel um and uh it's interesting to see how it's different between basketball and hockey hockey it's like uh whenever a goal is scored you have whoever scored it their horn and their graphics go up so it's not really like the home one you know so uh but in basketball all the stats and all the graphics and stuff like that it really feels like you're in that person's or in that team's uh home stadium so that's pretty cool all right ken you get to pick the next game uh, what game did you find exciting or interesting that was not a wizards game uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I haven't really watched much of the, of the restart because, I mean, during this pandemic era, there's been so much wrestling and, you know, with the podcast moving to the new platform, I haven't had really a chance to watch any games. But 
that, but I've been noticing on social media, a lot of people have been killing that kid from, from the magic for not kneeling and then tearing his ACL. You people are nasty. Y'all, y'all all get nasty awards. That's wrong. Who cares if the kid kneeled or didn't kneel? He got injured and people are celebrating it because he didn't kneel. And I'm like, y'all are nasty. Let's right. check you in, man. Right. So, so I, I do have to say, it was interesting that his rationale was that Jesus said not to do it. And then like some divine injury happened. So I, I do think of, I don't want to say karma, but it is, it's just weird, right? I, it is, I'm not going to have a root for anything like that. Obviously it's a horrible thing. Uh, but it just, the timing was very, very strange for sure. Um, but it was strange, but I have been noticing some of the action I will say, but I've been mostly paying attention to the Wizards just to see what they can do and see what they, what kind of young nucleus they have. Right. Arun, have you checked out any other games or any other series you want to talk about? Yeah, I checked out most of those games that they, um, we're talking about, but I'll just mention the Raptors versus the Lakers. I thought that was an interesting game. The Lakers are, like Robbie pointed this out, they're own 11 in their last 11 games against the Raptors. And, but more recently, they have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So, like, you think things would be different, but Kyle Lowry had 34 points and 14 rebounds. And, um, LeBron and Anthony Davis had like 36 points and in like 16 rebounds combined. So it's kind of a crazy game in that sense that the Raptors defense is still going strong. And if they had Kawhi Leonard, they'd still be the favorites pretty easily. But um, as it stands, the Clippers are probably, even though they lost to the Lakers earlier, as you guys mentioned, I think the Clippers will get Lou Williams back and Harold back and they only lost to the Lakers by two points. It's probably like the Battle of LA's and Milwaukee. And maybe Toronto can make a run if you use. Who knows? Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have a ton more to cover next week with those three Wizards games. And then uh, maybe we'll even do another one of these segments where you guys can bring up games that you guys like. Because there's just so many good ones. I've, I've just been flipping back and forth. And I've uh, I've come across a, a bunch of good ones. Um, I was trying to think of... Uh, yeah, like yesterday, I, I saw a couple that were just, you know, really close. It was, I think it was the Rockets game is what it was. Um, and uh, so I thought that was a, a really good game against the Bucks, And uh, I thought that was uh, pretty incredible. I thought, you know, the Greek freak Antetokounmpo put up 36 points, but they still found a way to lose. And I just thought uh, the beard just played out of his mind at the end of that game. Um, and uh, he was able to put up 24, Westbrook 31. I think the Rockets will definitely be a team, even though they're kind of middle of the pack in the West, there's still going to be a team that people are going to have to contend with. And the Bucks, you know, for as good as they've played all season, I think they might be one of the teams that gets hurt by this long layover. They were just sort of on a roll for a lot of the season, and I, I, I haven't been so convinced, at least yet, that they are that same team. Uh, obviously, they've had some injuries and some issues, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Bucks, uh, if this layoff, this layoff really ends up hurting them. And uh, we'll be able to talk more about that next week. I'm going to stop our, our screen share right there. I'm just trying to bring in a couple additional stats so that people can get some visuals uh, while we're talking. Uh, and I really appreciate all of you guys for taking your time. I'm going to give each one of you guys a final segment, and then I'll let you guys go. I'm going to probably keep Brian for a second uh, to talk baseball after this. Uh, but uh, Tim, uh, I'll start with you. Any final thoughts before we let you go? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's great to have basketball and NHL and I guess baseball for a little while until they call it quits. Um, <laughs> it's been tough during coronavirus, so I think we're all just happy to have sports back in some format. And um, you know, there there's all the kind of political drama, but I think most importantly, we get to watch games all day and. I kind of love how it's like NCAA tournament format where it basically starts at noon and you get some kind of sports all day. So, you know, if you're furloughed or whatever, at least you have something to do. And if you're working at home like us, you know, you, it's a good, good way to ignore, ignore your email for a little bit. So I guess shout out to sports for putting money over everything else. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining yeah, us, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. And uh, we'll start. We'll then go to DC's People Champ. Let us know what's happening on the uh, the podcast and uh, your final thoughts. Well, I'm currently checking out Raw right now uh, while I'm talking, but uh, uh, this week we're going to talk about everything that happened this week, including AEW's Women's Tag Team Champions Tag Team Cup Tournament that started tonight. Uh, they had two matches there, uh, and I'm. Also, and I'm leaking this here, I'm getting this here exclusively on notes on uh, Sports on Hill podcast. There's going to be a special podcast that's going to come out this weekend. It's going to be the first in a series of interview ones that I started to do now that I'm on this here new platform. So that, be on the lookout for that one. But of course, the regular podcast will be up Sunday. Uh, the interview podcast will most likely be up uh, either Friday or Saturday. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you as always being a part of this roundtable, and I look forward to that podcast coming out soon. Appreciate you. All right, Arun, final thoughts before we let you go. Uh, yeah, like I'm surprised just basically Beal hasn't been considered an offer an all NBA third team. I'd rather have him over like probably Ben Simmons for sure this season, but I guess people are looking at like rebounds and and. Simmons led up 53 points to TJ Warren. So it's not like at all. He's a good defender, but I don't think he's like a game changer. But that's pretty much it. And I'm wearing my Gilbert Arenas jersey today, the gold mm -hmm. ones that are not that light, but I'm still wearing that. Um, so hopefully the Wizards are better in the future. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I noticed that that Gil Zero golden jersey uh, that you're wearing. So I appreciate it. I also went with a throwback today with. Uh, the 2001 playoffs for the Capitals, as you can uh, see, they've got the, uh, the Penguins versus the Caps. Unfortunately, that series did not go well. But anyway, um, I appreciate you joining us, and I look forward to talking more uh, hoops next week. All right. So I think uh, we're going to bring in uh, back Carol. And uh, cool. What's going on? I'm back. I had to do a little switch up on there after that extensive NBA coverage. <clears throat> Excuse me. Appreciate the roundtable as always breaking down everything and anything NBA. You know, it's a lot of stuff going on. I wanted to mention the uh, the situation with uh, what is it, uh, Lou Brown? Uh, what is it? I forgot. I think Lou Williams. Lou Williams. I don't know where I got Lou Brown from. But yeah, with uh, that whole situation with him. Leaving the club, it was supposed to be what he's supposed to be like a family situation. He was supposed to be leaving for. He ended up going to a, an adult entertainment establishment, 
And uh, it didn't come out until a, po a, a picture on social media of him at the club taking a picture with a patron. And his excuse was he went for the wings. Now, <laughs> I spoke about this yesterday showing at the bar radio. And I, I got, you know, we, we went in detail of what kind of wings he was looking for. But what did you guys take about that real quick while we wrap up this NBA on him risking, you know, his teammates and other NBA players to go get some wings? and not say nothing until they came out on social media. To me, that was ridiculous. I like that Arun came back for this segment. So I'm going to Arun because he clearly has an opinion on this. I know Arun will be like, hold on. I got to come back. I got to come back for this. So Arun, what are your thoughts on it? Um, well, the wings are named after Lou Williams, so maybe he did go back for the wings. But as Kenny Smith said, maybe he came back for some legs and thighs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew Arun would have something way more clever than I was going to come up with. So that's why I'm happy he came back. Uh, uh, the, I, I mean, I think it's hilarious, but obviously super risky. And, you know, I think it's also interesting that the NBA, uh, you know, and the NHL have had to, like, make sure that people explicitly know that like, yes, we're in this bubble, you still need to wear a mask. And I think that probably came from this because it's like, there's other people coming in and out of the bubble, even if they're not leaving. And so they still need to you know, take it seriously. And uh, it's pretty ridiculous. And, you know, I know we're going to switch to baseball. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of how did Miami get all those positive cases? Did they go to a, a bar or an interesting night? I was going to say, that's the rumor. The rumor floating around um, is that the Marlins went to a strip club. And um, <clears throat> the rumor about the Cardinals is that they went to a casino. Right. So, yeah, hold on, hold so on. who knows? <laughs> the Marlins got it. They were in Philly, right? Uh, they were in no, they went Atlanta. To Atlanta they, yeah, they went to Atlanta before the season started. Oh, I was about to say that because the soil came, they were coming back from Philly when they got like they got quarantined in Philly, but they I think picked it up in Atlanta. Yeah, well, I was just wondering. I'm like, you're you're in Miami with some of the hottest strip clubs. <laughs> you go to Philly to go to <laughs> it didn't make sense, but Atlanta, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. I, I just had to ask you, <laughs> right? So, but it's like, how can this even go on? Like, I just don't. I, I just we're talking. We're now migrating to baseball a little bit, but like, I just. I don't see how this season can can you know can be completed. Like I know it's some isolated incidents, but like so now Miami has to like field a half team, right, with some additional minor league players. Well, are and, they are they playing yet? I, are yeah, they yeah. Still, so they they're... they've gotten cleared to play. So all the people infected go back to Miami, and then they're joined with additional like I always want to say scab players, but they're not. They're obviously minor league players, but like basically a half team of minor league players is going to have to join them and then that's going to be competitive right to be like you know it's like like if this happens where whole teams have to be made up of these minor league players like wins and losses are going to be so skewed by this right yeah. like there's no way that this like i don't know how this works i really well, I, it's beyond me we can yeah. i don't think the season's going to go through full effect and i feel the same thing about football um, with the travel aspect, that's where the NBA and the NHL have got it, you know, nailed down. They're not, there's nowhere to travel. You can't account for the public. So even if they are wearing masks or they go out, you know, they're traveling in different hotels and different stuff like that. So I, I honestly, I don't think the baseball season is going to go through the whole thing. Just like Manfred said, they can fit 
continues to go this way, there's a possibility the season might get shut down. And I'm giving the NFL maybe three to four weeks that it uh, try to try to do it. But I feel like with the travel aspect, is going to uh, is the X factor, and I think that's what you're going to have in that, a lot more cases because these players are going to be interacting and coming in contact with different people in different places that might not be practicing this the safe, you know, cleaning up and keeping the, uh, keeping a mask on and doing all the proper protocols. So I think NHL and NBA have nailed it. Unfortunately, the MLB and the NFL have left some things to be desired in their treatment of this uh, situation. To yeah, they off have, that. Right, yeah go ahead. Go ahead, Robbie. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, the NFL, I think it's going to be even worse, right? Because, like, at least in the MLB, like, they're trying to keep it, you know, central, all central, east, all east. So you could contain an outbreak of a couple of teams maybe that way somehow. But in the NFL, if you're, you know, traveling cross-country and all the divisions play each other, basically in four weeks – you know, one team could touch, you know, you know, 16 teams, right? I mean, just yeah. in how they all play with each other and contract tracing and all that. So I just don't, and all the travel that has to happen for that. And also the physical play of it, at least in baseball, uh, you know, they're interacting a little bit at certain, you know, tagging people out or whatever, but NFL, you're going to tell me you're not going to breathe on them. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're right in each other's faces. They're sweating on each other. They're, yeah. you know, they're grabbing each other's jerseys. Like, I don't see how any of that works. And I saw some helmets, they were fitting with masks to, uh, you know, that fit onto the helmets to co- help cover the guy's face. I've seen some of that. I'm not sure how many players are going to have it, if that's going to be everyone mandated. But I did, you know, most of them wear gloves anyway when they play the game. So there's going to be a lot of, I guess, uh, hand sanitizer and, and bleach on the sidelines, I guess, so they could keep everything as sterile as possible. But yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting, especially with football, like you say, Robbie, with the physical contact on each and every play, sweating, sometimes blood. So it's I, I, I would hate to say it, but we might not see football this year. I, I, I yeah, I, I definitely think they'll start because there's too much money for them not to start it. But I don't think it'll end. You know, you know, in a in a champion, I just I don't see it going. You know, sixteen, seventeen weeks, whatever it is. You know, and it's just. I don't. I also. I think the frustrating thing about NFL and the MLB is it's just the lack of preparedness. It seems like they yeah. have these. Yeah. I just the fact that us who do a lot of research on these things have very little understanding of what they're going to do. Imagine the layperson, the people who don't do the research. Right? They have no idea what's going on. Right? And the players in the NFL have argued that they don't know what's going on, and that's like they want to play, but they don't know enough information, and mm-hmm. they're about to start training camp. Yeah, well, at least they still have a little. I mean, like I said, for training camp, they, they're doing testing daily for the first two weeks. Since there is no preseason games, I think they're looking at it kind of like the hub situation that each team would be at their facility that should be clean and they should be doing the protocol. So I don't think it's going to, like you say, the preseason and training camp, I think it's going to be cool because they're all quarantined together. But once the season starts, like you said, the traveling and going to different places and touching the whole, I didn't even think about the aspect of, you know, being playing other divisions and then, you know, they play another team in their division and boom, 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 they can spread like wildfire. So that's yeah. a very important point I didn't even think about, Rob. It would have made more sense for them to do like the divisional bubbles, like have all the East teams play in one bubble, have all the Central teams, all the South teams, all the West teams. But, you know, instead they decided not to do it. And now we're stuck with this. And um, now I'm talking about football specifically, but same thing with baseball. I, I just don't see any way we completed it at this point. You know, there have already been so many issues. 
And um, yeah, I just don't know. I just, it's, it's definitely a dicey situation and changes day by day, almost minute by minute. It's crazy. Yeah, I think that what they should have done for the NFL, I like the four divisional alignments. You play every team in your division twice, and you play every team in the AF, you know, if you're in the NFC, the AFC equivalent of it, you know, twice. And that gets right. you at least, you know, to, uh, quick math, you know, that gets you to 14 games. Not a full 16-game season, but it does contain it. And it's close to a 16-game season. And you could have, you know, done it that way and at least Bobby, why it mitigates. Call, why you didn't call Roger Goodell? <laughs> why did you hold on to it now? I know. <laughs> Breaking <laughs> news. Robbie solves <laughs> the NFL's problem. <laughs> call me about these things. Call the right people next time. Right. Call head off. They probably could have used that. Damn we'll me. have to share this podcast later with them and be like, we've, we've solved your problem. Send it for to you. the NFL. This is what y'all should have did. Y'all should listen to Robbie G. Man. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's quickly uh, just get to some of these baseball games. I know we only got four games to break down. I unfortunately didn't get to watch any of them, but I'll let you, Carol, break them down real quick. And then it's just kind of a weird uh, baseball alignment with these teams have such different amount of games played. Yeah, I'm not even going to get into that fact. It took me a while just to get these stats together, trying to see, figure out how many games the Nats have played. They're currently sitting three and four. We talked about the series against the Marlins that got postponed. They were supposed to have this weekend. So they've only played seven games. Last week they had a four-game series with Toronto, which was, you know, kind of funny because Toronto can't go home. So all four <laughs> games were played at National Park, but the last two games was with the Nationals as the visiting team which mean they batted first, which led to some interesting outcomes. If you looked at the box score, you might have got a little confused. But uh, it was a four-game series, and that's where it would have split uh, two and two. First game was, unfortunate, a 4-1 loss. Uh, they gave up basically four solo home runs and couldn't muster enough offense to counter that. It was uh, it was a hot day at the park, and you know how it is when it's a hot day. If you leave the ball hanging, leave it in the middle of the plate, it's going a long way. And we talked about it last week with the Yankees, how they, you know, their power powered them through the series. The same thing happened in the first two games of this series with Toronto. We're going to speak about this one. Um, Anibal Sanchez took the loss. He gave up all four runs, all four solo home runs. He had seven strikeouts, one walk, and he lasted five minutes, giving up the four earned runs. Um, the winning pitcher was Ryan Borecki. He only went an inning of the third, gave up one hit, no one runs, two strikeouts in the walk. Brian, did you get a chance to catch this uh, game since Toronto's uh, one of the teams I know you hate in your division? Yeah, um, no, I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see uh, this game in particular, but you know, that is a tough break for um, Sanchez. Um, it's a lucky break that he gave up four home runs and uh, they were all solo home runs. That kind of kept the Nationals in the game. But, um, you know, Sanchez is one of the more, you know, reliable arms out of the national starting staff. And, um, you know, this is a disappointing loss for sure. But, um, you know, at least they were able to bounce back. I mean, this was um, definitely a frustrating one. Yeah, Sanchez is one of those guys that, you know, you want him a little bit of wear and tear. That's when his pitches break better. And he has that deceptive speed. You know, he doesn't have the, the killer fastball anymore. But he can go from 91, 92 and drop it as low as 70, 71 on some of his pitches which is always a good way to get a, uh, get a guy out. Arun, did you get a chance to check out any of this game since I see you sticking around for the baseball segment? Uh, yeah, I checked out, like, some of this game. But, yeah, like, the offense was just not really – like, 
they really miss Soto and this one as usual. And then during this game, like Soto, I mean, during this whole time, Soto's like, I'm, I didn't test positive and he's going to come yeah. back. <laughs> just like, they only yeah, scored like one run. He can't wait to get back on the field. Uh, just a quick update in the Penguins Montreal game. Penguins are up one nothing, and there's a little fisticuff action going on right now. Ooh. I didn't see what happened, but it's getting physical on the boards. And we didn't even talk about that dirty cross check that Sidney Crosby was doing in the crease that no one made. Oh, I just saw the replay. Uh, they just hit Crosby in the head. Uh, like a stick happened. came up. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I think we just saw the retaliation for that cross check <laughs> game in that instance. So, right. And, and the way to be on. And the other game is 3-3, I believe, in the third uh, period. Uh, going back to that Dallas Stars game, I have that on the other TV, but right now it seems to be uh, – uh, oh, wait. Somehow my, my game got switched. I'm going to push that back. But, uh, yeah, that game is pretty close as well. All right, well, let's go with keep updated on some of this hockey. You know, we cover it all. We got the hockey round robin uh, playoff format going. We talking about baseball. We talking about basketball. We got it all covered for you. Uh, the second game of the series was another unfortunate five to one loss, powered by more home runs by Toronto. They have a very potent lineup. I had no idea yep. how potent their lineup was until I kept on seeing balls leaving the yard. And uh, yeah, that wasn't a good look. And ironically, Tanner Roark uh, got the win for Toronto. He looked you know, pretty good. He had control of his pitches. He, uh, which is like I was speaking about Sanchez, which is normally for guys that have a lot of control and, you know, change speeds a lot. It's normally harder for them to have a good stuff when they first started and more of a pitcher that generate generally plays better. The more wear and tear during the season they get, that's when they have more control over their pitches. But he was definitely in control. He went five innings, giving up three hits, one earned run with five strikeouts and no walks. Uh, Austin Ball, Ball took the loss for the Nets. He went five innings, giving up four hits, three earned run, three runs, two of those earned. We've talked about some of the defensive issues that the Nationals had with errors and everything. I didn't even recognize the infield at one point in some of these games because I was like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? But uh, that's definitely something they need to work on because uh, errors are we – I spoke about uh, Starling Castro. He had a, a couple of plays in that game that cost the team runs lately. He, had a sure out that he threw the ball high, the man on first, got on first, extended an inning, and I believe I think they hit a home run after that, a two-run home run with that man on. So uh, they definitely have some things to be desired in the field. You know, you don't have, you know, Zimmerman out there. You missed Tony two bags on a on third base. So that also goes to the offense as a room they alluded to earlier. Did you uh, get a chance to check out any of this game, Brian, or you were uh, uh, not your game? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I'm usually watching the Yankees, but um, like I'm, at, I'm even watching them right now. But um, yeah, um, you know, good for Tanner Roark to come back and get a win against the Nationals. Uh, I'm sure that feels really good for him um, after being traded away. Um, and like you said, the Blue Jays have a really potent lineup led by some players um, who were sons of former major leaguers, Kevin Vigio and Vlad Guerrero Jr. They're both studs. Yeah. Uh, Bo Bichette as well, Dante Bichette's son. All their dads used to be in the major leagues, and the kids are good. Um, they are, Ooh, they are all of those guys playing, Brian. Damn it. Yeah, um, I mean, they are, <laughs> they are, um, you know, definitely ones for the future. And, um, you know, the defense for the Nationals, too, like you said. Uh, I love Starlin Castro, he used to be on the Yankees, so I'm a fan of his. 
But, um, you know, you can't, you know, make defensive errors. There seems to be a lot of growing pains in the Nationals infield uh, just based off of what we've seen in these first couple of games so far. Um, struggling defensively for sure. Yeah, I saw that. They had uh, Cabrera at first base, uh, Kai Boom at second. Uh, I don't even know who was at third. Trey is short. So Trey has been playing some good ball in the field too. Yeah, other than Trey Turner. I was going to say <laughs> Trey Turner. Trey Turner is the exception. Yeah, everybody else, like having Cabrera at first, Cabrera's going to be at second base, and Howie Kendrick's going to play first. But, yeah, they've been changing, switching things up, I guess, trying to find a, a place. You know, Kai Boom is out there, a lot of pressure on him. He was supposed to be taking over at third. Like I said, I saw him at second the other day. But it's, uh, they're, they're trying to figure some things out. Arun, did you get a chance to check any of this game out? Yeah, just like Turner, Eden, they had, like, most of the, the heads. They had three of the heads, three of the four heads, and everyone else – not so much. Just one hit by Castro, and everybody else did not get a hit or a walk. Yeah, the offense has really been, you know, up and down, sputtering. But going into the next game, real quickly, I, I, have a, I have a scoring update. Right. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights just scored uh, three goals in five minutes, wow. and um, so they've taken a four to three lead <laughs> with four forty left in the third period. The last goal was very controversial. Uh, there, uh, the guy skating through the crease knocked into the goalie stick. The goalie stick went flying. Then the guy who knocked the goalie stick out scores. Immediate washout. Goes to coaches review. They overturn it and say it was incidental contact. And then they make the goal stand. And that's how um, that's how they're taking a 4-3 lead again with four minutes left about in the third period. So I'll let you know if anything else happens in that. That's a crazy game because uh, they were up one nothing and Dallas scored three in a row and then Vegas come back and score three more. Yeah, that 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 incidental contact, can yeah, they lucky fans not in the stands. That's all I got to say. They might have came over the glass on that one, man. <laughs> but, uh, getting back to the Toronto series, uh, the Nats lost the first two, but as we mentioned, they were able to split and get a uh, you know series tie. Game three was a four nothing extra innings uh, ended in a tenth inning. As I mentioned, they were the road team in the last two games, so they uh, got four runs in the top of the tenth, which we'll talk about in a little while. Uh, Daniel Hudson earned the victory. He went in the inning in two thirds, giving up no hits, no runs, with three strikeouts. Shun uh, Yamaguchi took the loss. He went one inning, giving up two hits, four runs. I mean, four runs, three of those earned. Uh, with two strikeouts and two walks. Yeah, this was an interesting game. I actually did watch almost all of this because uh, it was uh, Scherzer was out there doing his thing. I believe he had, I want to say 11 strikeouts, I'm not sure. But it was an interesting game because was, it was a like a pitcher's duel going back and forth. I think the Nats had a couple of opportunities with the bases loaded to try to, you know, get some runs on the board. But unfortunately, they didn't got to extra inning had the bases loaded again and actually cashed in and uh, were able to get the 4 nothing victory in over uh, in extra innings. I got my sports mixed up. But, uh, Brian, did you check any of this game out? Did you see this exciting 0-0 game going into the extra <laughs> innings? Man? Yeah, you know, Scherzer pitched really well, obviously, you know, like, like he usually does for the Nationals. And um, it's, you know, obviously really weird that they were the home team – or, I'm sorry, the road team at Nationals Park. <laughs> I can't get over that. The Yankees are actually going to be the home team in Philadelphia on Wednesday due to the storms that are coming up the East coast. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get used. It's just weird scheduling. It's 2020. 
everything's you know completely messed up and weird but um yeah i think this was you know a good win for the nationals especially after the last two days um good road win and um yeah i, I think uh good to get the win in extra innings for sure that's so crazy that all four games were won by the road team but all four games were in nats park nats right? park yeah <laughs> Crazy things that happen. Room, what did you say about this game? Did you get a chance to check it out? Yeah, I watched most of this game too. And yeah, Brian pointed out before this game that the Nats were 0 and 7 against the Blue Jays, and there was like some Canadian curse. And I guess one way to break that is playing like the DC, like a a road game in DC. They haven't been able to beat a Canadian team. I love, I love these curses, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, it was a good game. Like I mean, I, I you know, I'm a defensive guy, so I love a good pitching duel, you know. I love a game that go extra innings and to, to be able to break it open and win it, you know, four nothing, clear the bases. Uh I didn't get into the scoring, I forgot to uh pull that up, but I watched it. I can't remember right now, so we're gonna move on to the next game. It was a victory, and that's all that matters. Last game of the series, Nats were able to uh win that one six to four. Uh, Ryan Harper earned the win, went one in and two thirds, giving up one hit, no one runs with a strikeout. Uh, Hen Yu Ryu, I can't, I don't know if I got that right. The ex Dodgers pitcher that would always give the Nats problems. The Nats handled him pretty well. He only lasted four and a third, giving up nine hits, five earned runs with five strikeouts and one walk. Um, I actually uh, remember some, the, remember the part of the game. Kurt Suzuki, I believe it was the top of the second. Yeah, he uh, threw out a guy second. They were uh, on the verge of trying to get a rally going, trying to get some runs on the board. Kurt Suzuki threw out, threw out the guy at second and the top of the second and then came back and I believe got an RBI, uh, RBI double in the bottom of the inning to help the Nets, you know, fuel the offense for the top of the inning. They were on the road. Trying to remember that. But uh, that that's what impressed me about Kurt, just going back to the postseason, how well he played, you know, going through all the injuries and the stuff that he went through. And, you know, it was always good to have those veterans. And I believe last year he didn't throw out one guy trying to steal until the World Series when he did it at crucial time, throwing out uh, Altuve a third. And the fact that he already got his first put out during the regular season, that, that was cool to me. But Arun, uh, we'll go to you first this time. Did you get a chance to check this game out? And what was your overall take of this uh, four-game series with them being able to get the split after losing the first two? Yeah, like overall, these last two games, it was just like timely pitching. Like the Blue Jays left like some guys on base. Like they had like runners on second with nobody out and they didn't score. Like Layton just – and then Castro really carried the, um, the Nationals in this one with four hits. Um, Suzuki, yeah, he had that excellent throw out, and then he almost like in the last out of the game, which was a strikeout, he bounced it to Cabrera on like a strikeout throw out, which ended the game. Luckily, uh, Cabrera caught it. Overall, good win for the Nats. No doubt. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I didn't see any of this game, but um, definitely a good win. Um, sounds like the offense got a bunch of timely hits, especially Starlin Castro, um, and you know, good timely pitching and um. You know, a, a good win to have against, a, you know, a young, hungry Toronto team. You know, it's good to, you know, even bounce back after losing those first two games to uh, win the next two. 
I think is really good for the Nationals um, who are trying. Every game matters in the season. So to win in games like that, I think is really important. Very true, very true, Robbie. Did you uh, get a chance to check out uh, that last game or any other series? To get I, to- I, I didn't. I've been watching way too much NBA and NHL. I, I only got two TVs. <laughs> um, but I do, I do have a quick scoring update. They, they got an empty netter, so they ended up scoring four goals in a row um, by William Carlson. I also want to point out that Nate Schmidt got a goal and an assist in that third period, uh, former capital. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right, uh, quick going forward, trying to look at it. Robert, you had a schedule up for this? I'm checking my app now. I'm going to get a chance to get the schedule for this. I, I have it, yeah. You want me to go through it? Go oh, right ahead. See, that's why we make a good team, Robert. You yeah. are always a step ahead, man. So, <laughs> no problem. Uh, so, it's a weird schedule. Over the next 12 games, we are playing the Mets six times, and we're playing the Orioles six times. So, it's, very, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, very <laughs> strange. Um so it's, I, I believe it goes, hold on, it's Mets first, right? Yeah, it's Mets first, then Orioles, uh, and then it flips back. So I, I'll, I'm pulling up the full schedule right now. Yeah, it goes Mets for two, Baltimore for three, then Mets for four, Baltimore for three. Well, we need to so, go with no record be playing those teams. Club. Yeah, so hopefully. <laughs> so the Baltimore's been playing pretty well lately. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so – me and Brian, we yeah, we we got beef about that Yankees uh, Orioles uh, game from last week. With yeah, it. we do. Yeah, that, that we got. We're gonna talk about that after we talk about this next. Uh, A little controversial call. Card <laughs> was blind, man. Come on, man. hey man, it was a strike. It was a strike. He needs to go on strike after that call, then. Go ahead and go over these upcoming games for next week, bro. Yeah, yeah I said the, the, the cats in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so the, they play the Mets on Tuesday, August 4th at a 7.05, and then Wednesday, August 5th, they play at 6.05, and then it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday against Baltimore. So it's an interesting week because we didn't play today. We, didn't, we don't play Thursday. We didn't play three games this weekend. So you're missing five potential game days when they're trying to, like, squeeze a huge season so we're going to have these lulls right now, and then eventually there's going to be a lot of back-to-backs to make that up. So um, so anyway, so Baltimore, 6.05 starts for Friday and Saturday, and then it's a 12.35 start on Sunday. It'll be interesting to see if this hurricane, as uh, Brian was alluding to earlier, will have an effect on weather delays and stuff for any of these games. I thought I just got a weather alert that it was not a hurricane, but the second it hit, North Carolina landfall, it became a hurricane again. So I thought that was kind of funny because it's the Hurricanes is their team. But anyway, um, that's a different sport. But, <laughs> I've heard enough uh, of the Carolina Hurricanes for a while. Yeah. Stop talking about them. I'm sorry. Let's just, let's just stop. Yeah, okay. Uh, but so, yeah, so it's Mets in Baltimore. And then I'm going to let you guys get into your debate before we get out of here. All right, uh, that was a winnable game. I'm not saying they're going to go 12 and 0, but they should at least, you know, make, <laughs> make some noise as long as it doesn't get postponed and nobody gets, you know, sick or anything. They should, they should have, uh, I, I say four. So we have five games this week, and then well, seven of those are next week. But yeah, but it's just weird that it's those teams back to back again and again. I say they should go four and one out of the five games next week. What do you say, Arun? Arun. Can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, 
I think the I just like who cares what you guys think about the Cespedes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of waiting was, for that I too. Was, I was gonna talk about that when you got to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm out of the loop, so let fill me, and I'm not sure what's going. I must have missed. So, Yoannis Cespedes. Um, of the Mets did not show up to their game on Sunday. He just straight up did not show up. The team was not able to get in contact with him. And then eventually later in the game, they announced that he's opting out for the season. Um, Personally, I think this is a pretty classless way for Cespedes to handle this, like to just go AWOL like this on the Mets, um, you know, after you've already committed to teams. Like, I understand if you want to opt out, like that's fine. But the way to do it, to just completely disappear like that, I think is completely classless, completely not cool with Cespedes. And um, I, I don't know if anybody's going to sign. His contract's up after this year with the Mets. I don't know if anybody's going to sign him. Um, the Mets are the Mets, and they just made a mess of this even more than like, like they do with so many other situations. The Mets made a mess of this, um, you know, by announcing they couldn't find out where he is, letting people's imaginations run wild, like what if he's hurt, something like that. But um, just a, a bad situation all around, and um, it was the number one story on New York radio today. And um, so we'll, you know, Cespedes is opting out. It's probably a good thing for the Mets overall because he's a bit of a headache. But um, definitely not a good situation with the Mets. Well, at least it wasn't at halftime of the game you decided. <laughs> yeah. Player, the at the halftime, so. Yeah, seven seventh inning stretch where he just stretches and walks out. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not playing. I see you guys next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least you know, you know, he could have left on better terms, but at least get do a halfway through the game. So I think like just like the first four hours, everyone thought he was like dead or something. Yeah, <laughs> that was just like the only yeah. Wow. Oh man, well, yeah, right. you know that news. So, I mean, he's a talented player, but like you said, he's a head case sometimes. You know, he can be a headache most of the time, but on your team and he's playing well, they tend to overlook those things. But yeah, interested with his contract being up the way he did that. Uh, but with baseball, you know, you can go play over in, you know, China, Korea, you know, all the other leagues all over the you know, world. They'll probably sign him and he's not going to make as much money, but he'll still be able to play it while he signs him in, in, in MLB. So, it is what it is. Look, you're ready to get to this quick debate from the Orioles-Yankees game with Brian. Because you guys know I'm not an Orioles fan. I actually, I'm not even going to claim myself the Orioles hater. I just, you know, don't wish anything good to happen to their franchise until Peter Angelo sells if he's such a tool. But I was watching the game, had it on MLB Network. The Yankees were up, I believe it was uh, five, what was it, five to three or five to four. The Orioles find a way to take the lead, six to five, with only one inning to go. I'm like, okay, the Orioles might be able to upset the Yankees. And I'm watching Aaron Judge at bat. And two balls, I mean, I, I could be understand being an umpire, how they're tough calls. And they were, you know, they could have been looked at as low, but as the strike, the digital strike zone that's on the TV showed that this should have been called a strike. But it wasn't, which made it a three-one, a three-one count. With a man on, and you pretty much know what two happened. men on, two men on. I'm sorry, so you pretty much know what happened since those calls went to a 3 1 count. The guy got a ball that was a little bit up, and he punished it, gave the Yankees the lead going into the bottom of the night. Now, this same umpire is behind home plate when the Orioles pitcher makes almost an exactly the same pitch in exactly the same spot. And for them, it was a strike. 
that was bull. <laughs> These umpires need glasses or they need to get this electronic strike zone because I was mad as a non-Orioles fan. So I could imagine what an Orioles fan was feeling about. Brian, explain yourself, man. You can't take these victories that are tainted with bad umpire and you hating on the Astros and the advantage they had with the science building. Your team had an advantage by a blind umpire that helped them win this game. They got an assist from the umpire. Should it be an asterisk by this win for you guys, Brian? No, the, the, the pitches were low, man. The pitches were low. Deal with it. The pitches were low, and the last pitch of the game was a strike. That's all I have to say on it. That's all I have to say. The Yankees won the game. Everyone, did you get a chance? I know you root for Baltimore sometimes, I think. Did you get a chance to see that game and see the play we're talking about at the end of that game? No, I, I, I now I have to go watch that play. Oh, <laughs> you always watching everything. I, I you can also watch the ball judge hit to the sun on the next pitch. <laughs> yeah, like I know that judge has hit like five home runs in the past like five games, but six home runs in his last five games. Screwed. That's just my assumption. <laughs> I want him tested, man. He got he got some superpowers from the COVID, man. I want him tested. <laughs> yeah, man. It was just it, like I said. I'm not a Orioles fan, but I that was a well, Brian. You spoke about that. There's been a lot of you know missed calls and missed opportunities. That was the first one that I saw uh, actually live. I didn't really see any uh, other, especially during the Nats game that I watched. But that's yeah. I'm, I mean, I've noticed. I've just I've just noticed a lot of inconsistencies with the umpires. You know, they don't seem to, you know, the strike zone seems to be way inconsistent this year. And in general, I don't like umpiring, but there does seem to be some, it does seem to have gotten a little bit worse with the restarted season. I, I mean, I could just be biased, but I, I just, it just seems to have gotten worse. I mean, I just say use them, you know, for the, the calls, you know, if it's a foul tip, you know, the judgment calls, you know, if it was interference with the catcher's mid and stuff like that. But lead a strike, the strike, the balls and strikes to the electronic strike zone. Still, they don't have to fire them, get them out of the game. Just limit what they're doing. Just let the balls and strikes be called by the electronic strike zone. Everything else, they handle at the plate. They do the review and all of that good stuff. But lead the strikes, and you know, because to me, it gets infuriating to watch on TV to see that it's clearly a strike or clearly a ball, but the umpire calls it. And then when the player who knows the strike zone, you know, doesn't get mad, but makes a comment like, yeah, that was a little low. Then the umpire gets mad and says he's trying to show him up and throw him out the game. That's the whole cycle that it doesn't happen a lot. It doesn't happen all the time, but we have seen that. And umpires are human. They might try to be objective, but sometimes they're going to hold the grudge if they feel a player was trying to show them up, which I don't I don't understand a lot because nobody's coming there to see them call balls and strikes. They're coming to see the athletes. Yeah. I don't know how you feel like you're getting showed up. No one cares who you are. Only time they know your name is when you blow a call. Other than that, shut up and do your job. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of Carol. I'm kind of with you. I have to say, you know, I'm more of a casual baseball fan. I'm a much bigger fan of you know the three other of the major four sports. Um, you know, I root for the Nationals. I grew up rooting for the Orioles. I had a spout where I rooted for the Phillies when I went to college there. Uh, and you know, so I enjoy going going to. I, I know. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't call myself a diehard baseball fan, but I do get frustrated with some of the uh, balls and strikes calls, and especially because we have the technology. I mean, in tennis, you know, you can you know, review it. Yeah, yeah and, and 
to maybe, I mean, I could see getting as far as that, but at least allow them to review it, right? So maybe not every call is done by it, but if there's a close call, go to the review. Maybe you have a certain number of them, you know, like um, it wouldn't take very long for it to come back and they would be like, oh, you know, it's different. I think they all could be done through strikes and balls. I understand baseball purists won't like it. Yeah. I, I, I understand both arguments. I think at least you should be able to review it if at a, you know, especially for a strikeout call, right? You know, if that's actually, you can challenge it, you know, it changes it, uh, or a walk, you know, that's very you know, close, right? So there, maybe you can't call, you know, do every ball and strike. Maybe there's a limit to a number you get per game uh, that you can challenge. So there could be an in-between where it's not the electronic doing it always, but um, I, I could see, I see all three arguments to be honest, but I, I do, get frustrated at times when some of these bad calls are made. Hey, Rune, I don't know if we ever got your take on electronic strike zone. How do you feel about the electronic strike zone in the MLB? Um, I think, I don't know, these umpires are getting worse and worse. It's like getting a pair. So maybe the robot, maybe I'm siding with the robots. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, they talk about the purity of the game, but the objective is to get the call right. I mean, that's to me is the purest way to play the game. That's just my opinion. But, you know, I think it's like you said, we had a technology. They've been using it in tennis for how long? And I actually like that when they, you know, go to the thing and they show the animated, you know, joint on the TV so you can see it also. So, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a diehard tennis guy like Robbie, but I enjoy watching some, uh, you know, Wimbledon, you know, the major, the, the major four majors. I definitely you know. But that's the thing that's frustrating. You see them using it in championship play that determines who's going to win. And they don't have any problems. But the MLB wants to be on that tradition and purity of the game and all of that other BS that really don't. All right. Well, I think that this, I mean, now we've gone two hours and 20 minutes. I think we've covered a bunch of sports. Uh, We uh, Next week. Um, on Sports on the Hill podcast, we're gonna cover. Let's let's add one more sport to it, real okay, quick. Okay, real, real quick. All right, we haven't touched on the WNBA champion. Oh yeah, they're doing home. really well, although they lost the last one. Right? Yeah, I want to run down the quick. <laughs> yeah. Three and one, they just lost their last game to the Chicago Sky by two. It was a buzzer beater, I believe. But they're sitting three and one. The first game of the season was on the twenty fifth of July. They defeated the Fever one hundred one to seventy six. Then they went on to play uh, the Chicago, no, I forgot the uh, Sun. I think that's the Phoenix Sun. No, not the Phoenix. Don't Connecticut Sun. The- I knew it was in the division. <laughs> Just remember the name. They defeated them 94 to 89. Then on uh, 30th, they uh, faced off against the Storm. They defeated them 89 to 71. And I just mentioned on August 1st, they played the Chicago Sky and lost them 88 to uh, 86 on a buzzer beater. To put them at three and one, but we had mentioned them all season five. Well, it's only been two two weeks, but we had mentioned them on some of the test shows we did either. But they are the reigning WNBA champions, and we need to treat them as such. Right. Well, if we're going to talk about teams, uh, we should also just briefly mention that DC United is one, two, and two, uh, and they've got uh, five points. Uh, so they're they're out of the MLS's back tournament, though. They're they're not playing for a while. Yeah. So. So they, there's that tournament, the MLS is back, but then is there more games after that tournament? There are, but they're, I don't think they're for a while. Uh, they got still it. have to finish the tournament. The tournament's still going on. Got it, got it, got it. So um, uh, th- they were doing okay at one point, but then they kind of fell off. Um, yeah. And, 
so uh, they lost their last game to Montreal Impact. That was a one nothing loss, yeah. I believe, right? So um, anyway, uh, well, now we've covered all five major sports, right? So, um, well, we didn't really cover the Redskins all that much other than how nervous the Redskins. Are. Oh, yeah. Dang it. I almost got out of the episode. <laughs> you should have a job. Oh. Washington football. But he hasn't had anything going on lately that I've uh, picked up on. They had a couple of pressers that I haven't had to check out yet. But they're in training camp. They're, you know, getting together. We mentioned the Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins quarterback situation. I actually saw a report that they said Alex Smith has been looking good on the field. Uh, you know, just running around and doing whatever. And as I'll say it once, I'll say it again. I don't believe Alex Smith will take another snap at quarterback in the NFL. That's my word. I'm going to stick to it until I see it happen. I will not say I was wrong. I'm sticking with my word on that one. One, one other thing about the Washington football team uh, that I want to mention is, so like they, um, the way the training camp is set up, it obviously was delayed and into this. So they don't have any of the preseason games and so i believe that the uh, the full team is, gets together starting august 17th so they've been sort of coming back and trickling in uh but they won't do their full workouts with everybody until then um you know all on the field together uh, and then they'll have a couple of weeks to prepare for that uh season opener uh so we'll definitely uh i feel like next week we'll talk more hockey because we'll be able to preview the whole playoff pre- picture uh, we'll talk a little bit more um, of the NBA, maybe not quite as in-depth as we did this week, but we'll definitely break down uh, some of those Wizards games and a couple of our thoughts overall. And we'll talk about those um, five Nationals games that are happening and any Washington football news that happens as well. But uh, it's been a great show. I, w- I want to thank uh, Brian and Arun for being a part of uh, this uh, baseball roundtable. Um, and uh, I really appreciate both of you guys for staying on and being a part of this uh, extra long uh, podcast uh, with uh, the return to sports sort of ramping up, and I uh, appreciate it. I'll, I'll let either one of you guys uh, – I'll start with the Rune. Any final thoughts before I let you go? Uh, yeah, just uh, the Mystics had an interesting Twitter fight this week, Andre Iguodala versus a Mystics player, so I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Random <laughs> – the highlight of – the mystic season it's getting a little feisty man you know i don't know what's going on we finally definitely gonna find out sounds good well Ren, we'll uh, talk to you next week for the nba roundtable maybe we'll have you back for more baseball talk as well sure thanks everyone. all right appreciate it take it easy back all right brian here's your weekly time to shout out the uh, <laughs> new york yankees i just want to say um <laughs> The Astros are still cheaters. Joe Kelly, free Joe Kelly, and let's go Yankees. Have a good night. Uh, you can touch on the, uh, the the throw. Me and Robbie had a, a very a, a long exchange about this throwing uh, situation. We don't want to go any longer, but we will have to debate that next week, Brian. Cause, yes, uh, definitely. Yeah, we got we got some beef on this one, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Call for. The hell with Joe Kelly. He, he should have got more games in mind. Oh, opinion. please. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Brian for the record. So uh, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna go that way. And uh, I think that's uh, how we'll end the show, right? That'll be our cliffhanger next week. Stay tuned for the debate. So um, Appreciate y'all tuning in as always. Make sure you check us out. Check out the website, sportsothp.com. 
for the latest episode of the Day. Make sure you check out our on the podcast streaming platform. I'm sure Robbie will have it up soon. I'll be chopping up some of the links, trying to post it on social media. Probably in segments. We know nobody's going to watch the whole two and a half hours. Yeah, but I'm going to try to chop it up, get it a little 15 minute segment for Instagram and probably throw a couple up on Facebook just to, you know, because that's what we do. But make sure you tune in at the Bar Radio on Sundays, even at 3 o'clock or 6 o'clock. You know we always stay posted. We keep it real. We talk sports, politics, current events. Uh, make sure you go check out Sports OTA for your current accessories. Top some of the district of, uh, champions gear. You see the backdrop. You can have one of those hanging in your room. You have a pillow, cup, a coffee cup, a stone holder, phone case, whatever you want. Just go ahead and cop something and help support the movement. DC sports without the politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. 